and welcome to the sixth episode of the Crystal Clodcast. I'm your host, Laura, and I'm here as ever this week with Retta. And I am at SuperRetta on Twitter. I nearly forgot again. That's all right, you know who you are. <laughs> Mia, who are you? You're here. Hello, um, I am Omia God on Twitter. Woo, and I'm Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, and I just dropped my phone because apparently we are all having a bit of a cluster... cluster flip of an evening tonight <laughs> you know we we don't we don't have any rule against swearing on this show but it feels rude to swear like during the intro section well when we're talking about a children's cartoon as well well like... my my issue is more that like the intro feels like the if you accidentally clicked on this podcast by accident you've never listened to it before you clicked on episode six for the first time either that or you know I want people to have a, a chance to be like, oh, I didn't mean to click on this. Let's get out before the vulgarity starts. <laughs> you want people to kind of sit down and get ready, yeah. and then we can become explicit. And then we can be like, oh, this character in Steven Universe, they're a shit. <gasps> I, said, I said a rude word. Um, so today we are going to be talking about episode 25, Mirror Jam. Episode 26, Ocean Jam. Episode 27, House Guest. Episode 28, Space Race, and episode 29, Secret Team. For now, we're going to be slightly off of the ending on fives and zeros routes, but that's just so that we could keep Mirror Gem and Ocean Gem together. We'll we'll work it all out as the series goes. Uh, the most recent episode of the show we've seen up to is episode 123, Room for Ruby. So, with that in mind... We should probably start by talking about episode 25, Mirror Gem. Who wants to start us off? Well, this is kind of the first time we have real continuity in the series. Mm. Like, this batch of four or so kind of all roll straight into the next one all the way through. It's the first time that we've had to edit the number of episodes we use for an episode of this show so that we can keep a batch of episodes together because as you said yeah they they have running continuity yeah you can basically watch these back to back as one giant episode yeah which we see a lot more of that going on like the good example that comes to mind recently was that Stephen Bomb involving the human zoo mm. where that was a whole five episodes mm-hmm. that were definitely one cohesive story like, absolutely I think Mirror Gem and Ocean Gem definitely need to be seen as a pair the rest of these I suppose you probably could you could watch them as standalone episodes yeah. they'd lose a little something they're not quite as interconnected as the show gets but mm. definitely Mirror Gem and Ocean Gem are the first time we have like a pair of episodes that really needs to be back-to-back viewing. Yeah, there's not really much of a conclusion at the end of the first one. The it's first one... Like, okay, what happens now? Yeah, well, you could have played it differently in that they could have left it ages before they did the part two, and it's, well, you let her go, we're probably going to get some comeuppance for that, and then later, once you've forgotten about it, ah, now you get any comeuppance. Mm. But no, it's like, now nah, the, the end of the episode's the next episode, you should probably just watch it. Mm. Um... So the first thing that jumped out to me about this episode, we've had hints before that Stephen has a bit of a weird upbringing and doesn't really have an awareness of things that you would expect a child of his age to know, particularly when it comes to human stuff. Stephen doesn't know what school is because he grew up without his human dad. Mm -hmm. I I have some thoughts on this. Go for it. Uh, The first thing that comes to my mind is 
it says a lot about Greg as a dad that he never thought it was important to mm. send his kid to school. Yeah. I think it also points out that he's obviously not been around other kids very often. Mm. Like the I assume you mean Stephen's not been around other yeah, kids. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I hope Greg's not well, been around other that, kids. Like, at first I thought you meant Greg hadn't been around other kids. And I was like, maybe he... Are, are you trying to imply that Greg doesn't know children go to school? <laughs> so that he didn't go to school either. Maybe, I don't know. You might have been implying that. <laughs> but what were you saying? Yes. It, um, yeah, yeah, so it seems that, like Stephen is unaware of the idea of what school even is. Yeah, it, it's the first time we get a real like marker of quite how sheltered from his human side Stephen is. In the comic book that I have reviewed once or ages ago, I don't remember when, but... Um, it's, like, elaborated that Stephen is homeschooled by the Gems. Oh, he is... Well, I know what you're talking about. There was... Um, so, for those who don't know, when it comes to Stephen Universe comics, they originally released an anthology series that was about mm-hmm. five issues. Then they released a graphic novel, which got delayed again and again and again and again. Um, but if we're thinking of the same one, that graphic novel is about Stephen going to school for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it, I know on the cover it's got him looking out of a window. Yeah, it's set after season two, I think. Is yeah. that. So it's set quite so, far down the line from here. The, the impression I get is that Pearl definitely gets given the idea of what school is here, mm. where Pearl is like, okay, these are the tools and the bits of equipment, and I teach you things. But it definitely seems like if Stephen is being taught, at least at this point, it's very gem, gem tech-centric. Yes. It's, it's in no way teaching him, like, this is how you file your taxes when you're an adult, and this is how science works. Yeah, it, like, Pearl seems very excited about the opportunity to teach Stephen about gem culture and gem history. Because mm. we see something that seems very out of character for Pearl, but does tell us a lot about her. Pearl risks handing over a powerful gem magical item, something that in the past has not gone well for mm-hmm. her, to Stephen because Stephen wants to learn and I think a lot of that comes down to she wants to seize on that moment because it's so rare that Stephen wants to apply himself and learn something I agree that seems to be exactly it Mm -hmm. like he's he's shown this enthusiasm into kind of gem culture so it's like oh okay take this Um, you can use it to learn more Um, so yeah we then get another example of the differences between the way that Stephen acts and the way that other children in his sort of peer group act. Lars is seedy as heck. Mm-hmm. Yes! Ew. Yeah, there's going to be some babes coming to Beach City, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen's just like, yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> it's like, yeah, if you know what I mean. Nope! Because Stephen is innocent and pure and he is the lovely, pure, innocent child that we all love. (laughs) Well, we can tell from the way that Lars talks about it that he clearly has never had any success in this plan. But Mm -hmm. the idea of it is very exciting. He seems to be trying overly hard to impress and to be like, I am the macho man. Yeah. Which, (laughs) we'll we'll get to a point later on in the episode that we can properly talk about it. I've seen some people use this as part of the trans man Lars theory to be like, he's trying very hard to project an issue of traditional masculinity Mm. to be like, yeah, I'm going to go looking for the babes and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Which we'll, we'll get there when we get to the episode of the trans Mm. Lars one. But uh, 
yeah, Lars is a bit seedy, and Stephen is a sweet, innocent snowflake, and we love him. One thing I want to mention that is before that is um, Pearl says that they found the mirror at the Galaxy Warp. Mm. Now, is that a lie, or did it come from like the home world, and someone's left it there, or? Well, the implication that she makes is definitely she implies that. <laughs> Sorry, my phone is buzzing away and it's annoying me. Hurrah. That's okay. Her, it shouldn't have picked up on the mic, but if it did, I am terribly sorry. Um, <laughs> I love all of us just kind of very slowly look towards Laura. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> it was on the floor. I thought it'd be fine. It'd be on carpet. Um, it's a nice, relaxed yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, so, the impression they definitely try and give is that they... I want to believe them that they found the gem mirror at the Galaxy Warp, but the reaction that Lapis has to them yeah. definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely suggests that not only did they were they involved, like they they clashed with Lapis before, yeah, but that they knew Lapis was in there. That they it it's definitely heavily implied that they were lying. Like I don't think they necessarily knew that it was Lapis like, that particular lapis in there or anything. Because, like, at one point Pearl says, oh, I didn't know the gem in there was that powerful. Yeah, they probably recognised... My imagine... I imagine that they recognised the type of gem yeah. that sort of blue teardrop as, oh, yeah. that's a lapis lazuli gem. Hmm. We, like, okay, there's probably a gem in there. I believe that they had to know that there was a gem in this mirror. Yeah, like, it. it's really aware that she knows and dislikes the crystal gems because when Stephen says oh I've got to show the crystal gems immediately it does the no <laughs> and th- that shows obviously that there's some negative yeah. emotions going on there be- yeah. with it what, if, if, to play devil's advocate slightly what could be possible is that Lapis is aware of the crystal gems because they led a rebellion they were the big figureheads of a war that Lapis definitely came into contact with. It's entirely possible that she is aware of the gems. She may not have ever interacted with them personally. Yeah, I guess it could be like the Gem World most wanted list sort of thing. Exactly. It's kind of, I mean, it's jumping ahead to the next episode, but I think it's relevant for this yeah, point. Yeah, go ahead. But Lapis says um, the crystal gems don't care about other gems, they only care about Earth. That definitely sounds like a propaganda That's line. what I was thinking. Like, is this kind of homo's propaganda being like, mm-hmm. the crystal gems are evil, they don't care about you, like, they'll kill other gems, they just care about Earth, you know, yeah. for no Which reason. Which is easy to, for them to justify when Rose, the narrative that we know it at the moment is that Rose shattered Pink Diamond. It's yeah. really easy for them to do a message of, they don't care about gems, they just care about Earth. Yeah, so in that sense, the crystal gems are essentially terrorists yeah and media portrayal of terrorists can do a lot for uh how for public perception (laughs) one thing i was wondering how did she know that he was a um gem because either she knows he's a gem or she offered to take him to the home world not knowing that i think my interpretation is that lapis just assumes steven's a gem by the fact that she assumes everyone's a gem Mm. Like, she's not aware of Earth It doesn't culture. seem like... 
Because we know from when Lapis does eventually join the team that she has very little awareness of Earth. Yeah. It could just be that human is not a thing that she is aware of, yeah, really. Like, I think Lapis is aware of what Earth is as a concept. I don't think she's ever been there until she actually gets out of the mirror. Yeah. Mm. It's it's possible. Either that or it's just by association of she saw, she saw him interacting with the gems and... Yeah, yeah. that's... That's one of the other things mm. I thought, like, maybe it's just from interaction with the gems, because obviously being that, in a mirror, she will have seen a lot more than Yeah, there's a lot of context realize. clues to tell her that that Stephen's one of the gems. Um, so we kind of jumped ahead a little bit, but obviously the, the narrative beat is uh, Stephen gets handed this mirror, and this mirror can, you know, show anything it's seen in its whole lifetime, and uh, clearly it's sentient, because... I think the first thing that happens in this episode that shows us that the mirror is not just parroting back, but that it's a sentient life form capable of complex thought, is that it could understand the composition of a joke and understand when a set punchline was appropriate. Sure, it was lowbrow. It was just farting at every (laughs) like vaguely wind-related pun that Maya Dewey made. But it was a moment of... I understand that setup and punchline is the structure of a joke. That that sentence he said could be taken with a second meaning to be about bodily functions. I can make this sound that sounds like that bodily function and that is a complete joke. But if she has no understanding of Earth and therefore humans, then as gems don't need to eat, then surely she wouldn't understand bodily functions in that We, we don't know. Maybe gems fat. We don't know this. Yeah, we, we don't know if they're like projections. Do yeah, that. But, uh, but we don't know if there are like there might be non-gem species in space. Maybe there are, are like space lions that happen to fart. <laughs> I found I, a loophole. I, I don't think it's one of those things that need to be explained. Okay, okay. How's this for an explanation? She's perhaps aware of humans because there was a human zoo. Oh, that would Maybe sense. she saw a human fart at the human zoo. Oh, she could have seen Stephen fart through the mirror. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it was just quiet enough that we didn't pick up on it. Um, I do like that bit, though, because it shows that Lapis has a sense of humour. Mm. Because when she comes out, from then on, she's very kind of serious. She's a very... Well, she's not a very light-hearted character, but she's a much more light-hearted character in her characterization later on. Mm. But when she gets out of the mirror and sees the crystal gems, she goes very much into kind of battle mode. Yeah. Well, it's very much like the um, the attempts to train Centipedal, mm. in that Centipedal is calm and happy and whatnot until the gems turn up with weapons and then all of a sudden it's like, right, battle, battle mm-hmm. ready. Yeah. Uh, um... So yeah, as we see, the mirror is scared of the crystal gems. Stephen attempts to take the mirror back to the hideout and it's just... No, 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 no. Please don't take me back there. I have one thing that I, I wanted to mention. I forgot what it was, so I took a second. But when it's telling the jokes, when the mirror is telling the jokes, mm. it made me wonder if it is a fully aware version of Lapis, as she doesn't seem like the type of gem, as we know her like in later episodes, that would sit and make a fart joke. I think there's a certain amount to be said for her limited communication abilities at this moment Mm. and the limited options she has for social engagement in that she's been trapped in this mirror for thousands of years. 
this is, as far as we can tell, the first person who has, A, attempted to communicate with her, and B, at this moment she has very limited phrases with which to communicate back. Mm. So I don't think it's entirely unreasonable for her to be a little uncharacteristically... I know I can make a punchline, so I'm going to make yeah. it because I want this person to like me because they're actually interacting with me. I am undecided on that point. That's I fair, can yeah. see where both of you are coming from. Though, as I was watching it, I did also wonder, like, um, is the fact that she's a cracked gem sealed in a mirror, is part of that kind of limiting her access to her own memories? That's yeah. what I thought, like... Well, she's clearly somewhat aware because she comes out of the mirror aware of Stephen's name. That's true. Yeah. Um, And then on top... Like, we have seen cracked gems can have effects on the communication abilities of gems. Because when Amethyst was cracked, she had to talk backwards. It might be that she was just limited in what communication forms were open to her. And that's a factor in her seemingly different... Mm. I could see that emotional state in the mirror mm. um, shocked and horrified <laughs> at this they they're not only surprised they are they seem scared yeah it's like they're kind of like oh god what the hell it's, it's, it's not what it's meant to be it's panicked it's this idea of oh god we gave you something that had a gem in it oh no oh no oh no yeah I think like my interpretation of that is that this is potentially the first time in a very, very long time that they may be in direct contact with a homeworld gem. Mm. Like, mm. not a corrupted gem, but like an actual homeworld yeah. gem that could really kind of mess things up here. It's like, oh, crap. Is that is Stephen talking to a homeworld gem? One thing that I also thought, like, maybe the reason that Lapis can disobey, because, like, Pearl, at the beginning, is like, oh, show us the galaxy warp or Mm. something like that and um the mirror doesn't do anything and she says oh maybe it's finally broken maybe the crack in the gem is allowing her to disobey because she's not a complete gem maybe that kind of broke the hold a little bit and that's why she's able to communicate with steven because the hold that was making her obey Mm. is no longer there so in that sense the mirror has a function and lapis was powering yeah. The mirror, but by being cracked, she's got the ability to like of, be yeah. more in control. The, the mirror is only partially powered, and as such, it's not you yeah. know functioning as it's meant to. Um, I did think there was a really interesting discussion point on um, the fact that, let's say hypothetically, the gems are aware that there is a gem inside this mirror. Mm. They recognise that that's a lapis lazuli gem. They know that this thing is powered by a gem. They discuss the mirror as a tool, yep. something to be used, something to obey. It's just a tool, it doesn't mm. want anything. Yeah, it doesn't want anything. It's only meant to obey orders, so, is what Pearl says. What I think is really interesting about that is it's Pearl saying that. Pearl would have definitely been higher up within the Gem Society class system than a lapis, because Pearls were like right up there, right-hand right hand servants to the diamonds. Mm. And Lapis is terraformed. They were for sending out in large numbers to alter terrain. I think that it's interesting that Pearl seemingly is aware that there is a Lapis Lazuli gem inside this mirror, and she still refers to 
the mirror in the way that you might talk to someone in a lower part of a class system. Oh, okay. Which is interesting considering that we know the from later on in the show the class system of gem society is very, very rigid. Mm. Um, I am curious where Lapis would be in the gem society. Honestly, I'm, I'm not sure if she would be low or high. Well, the, the, Lapises are very powerful, but their primary function is to do something very menial and sort of like labour yeah, intensive. That's a good point. Like, they're very powerful, but assuming assuming that they're obedient, which you would imagine up until this point, you know, they probably would be, mm. I, I can't imagine them being higher up in a class system than assistant to the diamonds. Like, there's probably no... not, no. But I mean, is, is Pearl considered high up in that sense compared to, say... Um, like amethyst i'm just i'm thinking to the the i don't think she has so much as like strength with power but i think she would know a lot more about the class systems being so close to diamond what's the the on the humans you episode is it an agate uh an agate like she treats pearl incredibly badly and seems yeah, because she's kind of like, well, you're just a pearl. Well, that's what Peridot says to Pearl when she first meets yes, her. Yes, Peridot as You're well just like, a pearl, yeah. you can't do this. Pearls are... Yeah, that's a good point. Pearls are very... If nothing else, even if they're not high up in that system, they are very, very closely working within yeah. that system of class structure. And they must be aware of it, because they will get treated differently. It's like, yeah. but you're just a pearl... You're only a pearl. You can't do this because I, you're a pearl. I think of all the types of gems, pearls are probably the ones that most often watch the differences in ways that gems are treated based on their position in the mm. class system. Mm. Well, it's like when um, Yellow Diamond is talking to Peridot, you see the snooty pearl in the bottom corner, mm. just like, hmm, just kind of watching in amusement as she insults yeah. the other one. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That was just a thing I thought about and thought would be interesting. But uh, yeah, Stephen does not want to hand this mirror over because the mirror does not want to be taken. Yeah, so and he immediately defends it, which is really cute. It's cute. It's a little naive. I'm glad it played out well. Mm, it was a little naive, perhaps. But uh, he decides to slap Garnet. It seems to be the first... Maybe only time that Garnet is genuinely angry at mm. Stephen. Like all that kind of caring mother kind of persona is just gone in that yeah. moment. And Pearl actually seems panicked enough that she runs after Garnet shouting. He probably didn't know what we're doing. It's like she's scared that Garnet yeah. is going to hurt yeah. Stephen. She's she's trying to play down Stephen's actions when Stephen clearly knew what he was doing. It's yeah. like I've made an informed choice based on I interacted with this thing. This thing seems scared. I'm going to trust it, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, oh. And kids do that. I know I did that when I was yeah. a kid. I'd do something wrong and then go, sorry, as I ran away up into my bedroom so I couldn't be told off. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's the first time I'm aware of that Stephen knowingly is aware of what the gems are telling him. The gems are saying, like, this thing is dangerous. You have to hand it over to us. We know better. Like, you know, you this is what you have to do. And he makes his own judgment call based on the information he has, and disobeys them. Mm-hmm. There's something that I wanted to say that's interesting. Um, it's not actually mentioned until the beginning of the next episode, mm-hmm. but um, Garnet says you disobeyed an order, 
which made yeah. me think they see Stephen as the same as a lower class gem, as like with um, what Pearl says, it's only meant to obey orders. That's an interesting parallel. Yeah, yeah, I... it's just like very closely together. There, you've got uh, them going. It's only meant to obey orders, yeah. and then you disobeyed an order. I, I don't know how much we should read into that, but it's a really good observation. It's a really yeah. nice parallel there. Um, so yeah, in spite of knowing that Garnet is angry, Stephen frees the prisoner from the mirror. And as Lapis is being released from the mirror, I think it's very interesting that we as an audience are given music that straight away frames Stephen as having done the right thing by disobeying. Yeah. The music is really interesting in this episode because... When Stephen says, um, I should go tell the gems that, you know, mm. that the mirror is alive, the music immediately goes very dark. Yeah. And it's, it's the first time we've seen kind of the gems as villains. The yeah. music presents them as villains. That this is a yeah. bad thing to tell. I think this, will, this is, as far as I can remember, is like the first time that Stephen sees the gems proper, properly portrayed as evil villains rather than Mm -hmm. just being like oh you guys just caused destruction which we've seen before with Freibor towards the end of this episode we have a few really good lines about that but yeah you're completely right about the music like taking a really dark note when the gems are brought up Mm. Um, when Lapis is freed it's very sort of light and twinkly and airy and like this is someone to be trusted it's someone positive we are the music is designed to make us empathise with Lapis. Um, and her character design as well, and the way that she's introduced, it's obviously to show her as non-threatening and sympathetic. Yeah. And she's, she's in a also long, flowing the... dress. She's very thin. And... She's also the first gem with wings. Mm. So it's well, like angelic sort of thing. I will agree with you there. I don't think we can take that into account for this bit of discussion, because we don't yet know she has wings. We don't know she's <laughs> no, angelic when mean... Stephen trusts her. But... Like... The way they've designed her. Yeah, the way that she is designed. Yeah, I agree. Like, by the end of this pair of episodes, it's like, okay, she flew off, but she's not flying off to betray us, because she's got angel wings. Yeah. Um, I like that the first thing she says when she's free as well is, thank you. Mm. It's not like, I'm free, (laughs) haha. She's like, oh, thank you. Yeah, she, she very much appreciates that Stephen trusted her. Mm. above the gems that he clearly already had a longer-lasting connection with. And she appreciates that and thanks him for it, which Mm. is sweet. I also really like, as Stephen is pulling the gem off of the mirror, all the water from the sea runs towards his feet and does that pattern. Mm. And I'm not sure if it was the pattern of a mirror, of the mirror, or if it was just like a spider-webbed-type pattern. It's definitely like a magical kind of pattern. Some kind of thing went on, but it was like it was meant to happen because the water immediately ran towards the lapis lazuli gem. Yeah. Mm. Um, So there's a couple of lines that, um, that Lapis says before this episode ends that are all interesting in how they relate to her her view of the gems. Mm-hmm. The three of you knew I was in there and you didn't do anything. Don't trust them, Stephen. Yeah. Mm. Like, she, she seriously makes the point of, like, hey, let's sow the seeds of doubt. They, I'm going to tell, like, whether, whether it's true or not, I'm going to tell you, Stephen, that they knew I was in there, which they presumably did, because they could see a yeah. gem on the back yeah. of the mirror. I don't think she's being intentionally manipulative. No. I think she is being honest. I feel like she like, ha- she's like, 
you had to know there was a gem in here. Yeah, and I think it's telling as well that she says they're not going to let us leave. Yeah. She assumes, like, yeah, these are bad people. Yeah. Okay, Stephen, you're free to go you, now. You, we can get out of here. You can see now that they're bad because they had me trapped in here, and you can mm. see that. Yeah. Because I also... Stephen tells the gems, like, hey, you didn't tell me this is, like, a person, and they're like, no, 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 no. So, like, they clearly had to know, even just at that point, there's a gem in here, we could let yeah. this gem out. But, yeah... It's understandable that she has that resentment. One thing, just with you saying you didn't think it was a manipulation, it remembered, It reminded me of something I was going to say earlier, but I couldn't remember again. My my memory is terrible. That's all right. But um, I was going to say, like, with the jokes and stuff that Lapis tells while she's in the mirror, like, she's acting more like Stephen does, and I didn't know whether that was an, a manipulation of Stephen to be like, but I'm like you, you should help I, me. I read that differently. Um, I read it as it can only really communicate through what it's it's having fed into it. And most of what it's getting fed into it right now is Stephen. So it's... it might be mir- like unconsciously mirroring back some of Stephen's personality. Except that when it wants Stephen to remove it from the mirror, it shows... Stephen removing the gem from the mirror. Well, I my interpretation of when it shows that image of like um, the, the picture of Stephen pulling it off, my interpretation of that bit was that she's kind of summoning up all the power that she's got and she's struggling to show something that's new and not mimic mm. and that she's not mm. been able to do that before. I'm on the same side as Mia, but I think your view is really interesting, Retta, so I'm certainly not writing your perspective <laughs> off. It's just not what I read into yeah. it. Um, and then the last quote I had that I wanted to mention, which I just think nicely nicely parallels the end of season one, when we eventually get there, is, I'm Lapis Lazuli and you won't keep me prisoner anymore. Mm. And this season ends with Lapis voluntarily becoming reprisoned in order to save the gems. It's mm. Her introduction is, I'm Lapis Lazuli and hey, Crystal Gems, you're not going to be the reason... Like, I won't let you be the cause of me being a prisoner. Mm. And by the end of the season, Lapis says something very similar about I'm Lapis Lazuli and I'm never letting you go. And she optionally becomes a prisoner to try and save the gems. Yeah. And it's very and good. I like it's, that. It's a really nice arc that she takes over this mm. season in that both her first episode and her last episode of the season are about... It's her escaping from being a prisoner of the gems and then making the choice to go back to that to save them. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, you break my heart, Lapis. <coughs> Lapis is my favourite character in the show and I love her so very much. Um, so yeah, do either of you have anything else you'd like to say about 25? I think that's everything. I have one more just comment. Go ahead. Um, do gems get trapped in objects and forced to serve often in the homeworld? Because they seemed totally fine with the idea that this gem was trapped in there and, and had to be obedient. Yeah, this could be a normal part of yeah, gem so society. Is that a regular thing? Do they power up their gem technology? Con- with gems. Considering how much of gem society is based around this very rigid class system that does seem to have almost to the degree of 
slavery almost mm-hmm. in that like this is the class that you are born into and because of that you must obey and do these things to these yeah. people higher up in the class structure it wouldn't surprise me if there were gems that were considered so low within that structure that it was okay to physically use them as an item yeah like, um, it, it was just something I thought of. I was just like, no, so is this commonplace? Are there a I, lot of gems trapped in items? I, I didn't get the impression that it's necessarily commonplace, but that it's not It's not, like, frowned uncommon. upon either. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't seem frowned upon. It's, it's like the crystal gems who, like, pride themselves on what they believe is the right thing to do told Stephen that this was the wrong thing to do and that that gem should remain trapped. Yeah, mm. that is... Interesting. I take that to be what I was saying before. That in my interpretation, it's the gems thinking this is a homeworld gem. It could be, you know, it could be evil. We it, don't know. Yeah, like it could come out and immediately attack them. Yeah, especially if they're not the ones who actually yeah. trapped her. And potentially they view it the same way as bubbling a gem, possibly, where it's like, no, it's not. We're imprisoning yeah. them. We're just keeping everyone safe by keeping them contained in this. Thing. It could also be to do with the power level of a lapis, because I think it's worth mentioning that across both episodes, lapis holds her own against all three of the crystal gems. Yeah, but also the gems do say, uh, "I didn't know the gem. Tra- we didn't know the gem trapped in this, this mirror was so powerful." Yeah, oh, good point. <laughs> they weren't aware that they, she would yeah. be so powerful, which also makes me think: Is she? One of a kind of lapises in being that powerful, or, or do lapises just... just not usually use their powers yeah. for combat? Mm. And because that's not their function, that's yeah. just not how the gems ever pictured. A yeah, because they are designed to yeah. terraform planets. Well, it's like with fight. Peridot with the with Pearl when because there's an episode in the future, yeah. way into the future, where they're having a competition about building robots. Yes, and she's like, yeah. but you're just a pearl, so obviously mine's going to be better because I'm made for this and you're mm. not. Yeah. And it's the whole, I think it's, again, the rigid... The, the yes, this yeah. is yeah. what you are and therefore surely this is what you're good at mm. and what you do and what mm. you don't do. And this could be the thing that we mentioned that someone had said on the in our little community online. In the, the yeah, podcast in the comments thing. and whatnot. Yeah, when someone mentioned that Rose being able to have healing tears. Mm, yeah, should I bring this up? So yeah. I cannot, unfortunately, remember off the top of my head who brought this up. I will try and have a look uh, when we finish recording. Someone made, this is a bit of a side comment, but about about gems being at their most powerful and most dangerous when they step outside of their assigned roles. And the observation was this idea about Rose Quartz that... If we skip a long way ahead in the show, quartzes were pretty common and were used as soldiers. But the rubies on the moon base, when we eventually get there, talk about the rumours that Rose could you, it could had healing powers, which suggests that, he, that Rose was unique amongst the quartzes in being able to heal. And the question there is, is it that she actually had any kind of unique ability, or was it just that she was the first of her set of gems to be a f- to be put in a situation where she discovered she could do this. Like, for, for Lapis, it would be Lapis is usually terraform, but you've put a Lapis in a combat situation, and while protecting itself, you suddenly realise that it's a powerful fighter. Mm-hmm. For 
rose, the argument would be a rose is meant to be a soldier, but as soon as you have a rose that feels compassion for those that fall around it, tears happen and you realise that they have healing tears and that can sustain an army. Mm -hmm. And that perhaps when gems step outside of what they were assigned to do, that's when you notice the things that that they could do that Homeworld probably don't want them being aware of because it would be very easy to overthrow the diamonds if all of these gems realised, oh, we can do all these things that we weren't assigned for. It makes me wonder if the diamonds purposely assigned them in roles that didn't necessarily bring out their strongest. It, it If you put them in roles that they suit but aren't their strongest suits, it definitely helps to create a society that isn't going to be capable of uprising against yeah, you. Because, like, it seems, well, as you could, you could tell with that episode, they are not aware that a lapis can do that. Yeah. Like, they have no idea, so they're like, whoa, this is... Well, it goes along nicely with the theme of the show, which is, like, be yourself. Yeah. yeah. When you're yourself, that's when you're yeah, like, like, the most powerful. Yeah. Don't, don't be what you're told to be. Be whatever you are. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. Um, so this seems like a good point to sort of uh, transition over into the beginning of episode 26. Um, so we've had a few interactions between the gems and the humans in Beach City before this. And usually they've been the inhabitants of Beach City either being a bit confused or scared or outright angry about the gems being there. Then all the water goes away and suddenly (laughs) they all meet up in a big group to cry and beg the gems to help. Because in spite of everything, the humans recognise the gems are powerful and want their help because they can't do this because they're scared. As Mayor Dewey says, they are the magical ladies. Yes, you are the... <laughs> this is what happened, magical ladies? Uh, well, the water's gone. <laughs> I think it's also the thing of um, what's happening is not a normal thing. So they're like, if it's not a normal thing, we need to go to the people who aren't normal things. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so they run to the gents, kind of like, help, <laughs> something is wrong and we're not sure why or how this is mm-hmm. possible, but something's wrong, you can probably mm-hmm. fix it, get over here and help us. <laughs> yeah, so I I think it's interesting that when um, it's revealed to Stephen, like, hey, Lapis is the reason all this water's gone, she's a very powerful gem, um, we didn't expect that, but she's taken all the water, um, and Stephen tries to defend back, like, you know, maybe she's not bad, um, there's a lot you don't know, Stephen, there's a lot you don't know about the gems. I think this does two things, it's them trying to set Lapis up as the villain, but it's also them admitting to Stephen that they do keep a lot of secrets about yeah. Um, yeah. the realities of gem society away from him. Mm. Which we kind of knew they kept secrets from him anyway, but this is them acknowledging to his face that they keep secrets from him. I think yeah. they can't really deny it anymore, though, after what Lapis said when she's like, they trapped me. Yeah, it almost feels like Pearl's trying to justify what they do a bit. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, but look, this is justification. I can't tell you. It's a secret, but I promise there's a justification. She's the villain. Well, she says about, like, because there's this short explanation of, like, corruption, and she basically says, like, you know, what we're doing is going after corrupted Mm. gems. They used to be real gems, but it's the best we can do for them, is what she says. Yeah, she tries to equate Lapis to a gem shard, Mm. and as we know, that's a million miles apart, because, like, the big defining feature of the gem shards is that they are no longer terribly sentient. Um, There is a... 
I don't know where I put it. So, Monsters of Corrupt Gems. They're at some point in this batch of episodes we saw today. I don't know whether it's in this episode or another or another one. Um, they talk about the, the Corrupt Gem Shards being mindless. Mm. I think it might be in, um, not 27, 20, in 29 in Secret Team. The shards are referred to as being entirely mindless, for lack of a better word, which we know not to be true, because when we see the cluster much later on, mm-hmm. those shards are capable of communication. Yep. Like, they're not entirely gone. So, like, while the gems are being somewhat truthful here, in that there are corrupt gems and gem shards, and, you know, there are safety concerns to be had, not only are they falsely equating Lapis to that... But also, there are things that the gems don't know. Like they're they're not fountains of knowledge on this. They're mm. trying to put it together as they yeah, go. It's, they're doing their best, basically. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to mention again with the um, Garnet saying to Stephen, "You disobeyed an order." That yeah. is way more of a gem thing than it is a parent thing. Mm. You did, as a parent, you're like you didn't do what you were told. It might it's... be you broke a rule. Yeah, like you, you broke, broke a rule. You didn't do what you were told to do. It sounds... But it's not you disobeyed Actually, an order. Actually, you know what kind of parent in media says something like you disobeyed an order? Um, the stereotypical, uh, like the, the archetype of the ex-military dad. That's, that's immediately what <laughs> Considering <laughs> that mind. we've been talking throughout every episode of this podcast, we've talked about Garnet is the dad figure. And mm-hmm. Garnet was in a war. Yep. We could put Garnet as ex-military dad, yeah. which would explain you disobeyed an order. Mm. Yeah, because normally she seems to be quite warm and like the most understanding of the gens she's of the calmest, human things. Yeah, but this is the one time she's like, "You disobeyed an order," it, and she's just mm. like completely it, like. It, it was a Flat. very ruby moment. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was like Sapphire's taking a back seat right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing it like inside out. They're just like fighting over the control desk <laughs> in, in Garnet's head. Um, so, interesting things. Uh, we Much later on in the show, we get that whole thing where Pearl goes to the, the punk rock show mm. in someone's garage. Um, here... Greg puts on some of Rose's favourite punk rock music and Pearl seems to be in pain in response. I have two thoughts. Initially, my thought was, A, is she, does she actually not like this kind of music and she only tried to like it to impress Rose? But that doesn't really line up with her positive reaction to it later on when she Mm. opts into going to see live music. My second thought was, at this moment, is that kind of music too much of a painful memory because it reminds her of Rose? Kind of hard, And that would explain why when she hears, like, punk rock music now, it's still too painful. She's not happy with it. Mm. But once she gets to that point, we see her much later on when, like, the, the whole song with Greg happens and mm. she's finally ready to move on and start looking for someone new. She's okay with that music again. And I like that explanation more than I like she didn't it actually bad, like yeah. punk rock <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. I agree. And that also made me think, like, when Jem's, um 
bloody word, fuse, when, when they uh, fuse together, can they keep secrets from one another? Like, can they actually continue a lie between them? Like, when they are dancing as rainbow quartz to Greg's music, if Pearl didn't like it, or, like, Pearl's intentions to make Greg jealous, were they coming across? I don't think that those kind of secrets can be held up, at least not in a long-term fusion, because the whole point of uh, the Here Comes a Thought episode is if the two people fusing aren't in sync, if you've got secrets from each other that are distracting you, your fusion will fall apart. Mm. So Mm. I I would have to assume... That's a really good point, so I'd have to assume you're right there. Um, So they arrive at the big tower of water because Lapis is trying to get home up to space by stealing all the water. And she initially talks to Stephen directly rather than the gems. Go away before I make you. It's kind of scary. Yeah. She definitely becomes more of an intimidating and... Like, she... Well, I I mean, she directly hurts Stephen on this part. I I Mm. feel like she's in some ways lashing out because she's scared of going back. She's scared of being pulled back into into that mirror and her response is, go away because I don't want to hurt you. Yeah. But I, like, if you come close, I will lash out. I, I can't let myself be taken back. I can't end up in that situation again. It was a terrible situation that I can't go back to. I don't want to lash out. Please go away. I don't want to do this. Yeah, I think it's that she's like, I've got this plan to leave. I've got the water. I'm in the process of leaving. Just, like, go away and let me leave. Yeah. And it's it's definitely... It's definitely not out of any kind of malicious plan. You can tell straight away it's... It's out of fear. It's out of fear of being trapped again in that mirror. Um, And... Yeah... We, we start realising that Lapis is incredibly powerful. She can simultaneously hold up an incredibly tall um, tower of water, create four independent mirror clones out of water of the gems, and engage them in combat in their own unique combat styles simultaneously. But what I was thinking is, she is also doing what she has possibly been doing for the past thousand years, which is mirroring. mirroring. Yeah, she copies them and I, gets them to copy the gems and Stevens' like yeah. own moves in order to combat them. I never picked up on that before this particular watch that she was making mirrors of them all. Yep, I had not picked up on that <laughs> immediately. Like when Stephen talks yeah. to the water and it's yeah, Stephen's right, face comes, that comes yeah. out not yeah. her own mm. it's Stephen's because she's doing the thing which she has the only way she's been able to communicate which is to mirror someone else yeah mm. um so onwards from there we oh yeah go on, go talk on. about the um water clones yeah the line that I really liked, which is really quick and really subtle, is Pearl says, I hate fighting me. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I... that meant nothing to me the first time I watched it. But now it's like, of course, she hates fighting other Pearls. We know now there are other Pearls. Yeah, yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's very interesting. I was going to bring up the same line. Um, it's also amusing, though, because she does summon, like, hollow yeah, Pearls the first to time fight. I, the first time I watched it, I thought she was referring to the hollow pearls that mm. she can create because obviously she creates 
a kind of mirror but yeah, of herself. Yeah, it probably was other pearls. But I yeah. think I think what it really is saying is, is other pearls. So I think when you first get to this episode, there's nothing to make you think about the fact. Oh, there's probably others of this gem out there because they all seem like unique individuals yeah, until you realise exactly, like yeah. there are other pearls, other amethysts, rubies. Yeah, sapphires, it's still whatnot. a while until we learn that there are multiple of each type. Yeah, like that's not until some way deep into season two, I think. Mm. Um, so. I think this is the first time we get what I would consider like a dramatic action-packed fight. Like we get some fights that have sort of gimmick endings. Like we had the Sugalite fight where Pearl, you know, manages to drop the thing on Sugalite's head and we have some fights with some gem monsters. But I feel like, and correct me if you disagree, um, like this is the first time that we have like, here is some dramatic music, here is one-on-one combat showing quite how powerful these gems are as fighters when pitted against similarly leveled enemies. Yeah, it's not like um, like Opal versus the monster. They're not fighting monsters here. Yeah. We've seen them kind of show off the power before, but never versus kind of, of one of their own, like another yeah. kind of gem. Here we mm. see them actually kind of like sparring with weapons. It's more like a duel. Yeah, like we, we have moments like when the two garnets run at each other yeah. and punch and that like shockwave goes back from mm. the two punches like it's a good dramatic fight I like this fight <laughs> mm-hmm. it was good well it's also normally we see them fighting like as a team against one enemy yeah not as one-on-one. one person against one person so you actually mm. get to see their individual strengths and fighting styles properly rather than how they work together yeah I think it also says something that Steven's not involved in this fight like mm. this is Oh, Stephen's not involved in this fight, but that leads me on to something I thought was really interesting. Everyone's mirror fights them, Mm -hmm. except Stephen's mirror fights Lion. Yeah. I did have a momentary thing. We we still don't know what the whole deal with Lion is. There is a bit of me that's like, Lion against Mirror Stephen... Uh, is is there some implication here that 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 is a that yeah, that is like an Rose. applicable mirror that maybe Stephen is an applicable mirror of mm-hmm. Lion Lion or is it maybe could Rose? just be Lion protecting Stephen possibly but like the mirror clone doesn't go for Stephen also it suggests that Lion is smart enough to recognize that Water Stephen is not Stephen. Well, one of them's entirely blue. <laughs> yeah, but also Lion drinks water. I assume. Yeah, but we assume if he's if Lion is actually like a gem, then they won't need to. So no, they I, might. Not. I see what you mean because, like, when Lion took them to the training room, we were talking about it's kind of like Stephen says, "I'm not well trained either," and Lion takes him to yeah, the room. Yeah, we like, well, here's where we train. It's almost like a dog okay. in terms of like training. If, okay. if nothing else, so. Lion has run across water before. <laughs> Lion is aware what water. Oh is. yeah, Lion can walk on water, can't they? Well, what I, I just think like. I, I think your point at least points out that Lion is not potentially as stupid as he has been depicted as being. Yeah, he's, yeah. More, he's not as stupid as he lets on. Like, like when Lion needs to kind of help and be useful, he can. He can yeah. be, and I think he definitely yeah, is. Yeah, not least. like when Stephen's trying to get him to play fetch. Yeah. he just lays down, just like nope. It shows that Lion <laughs> is not stupid. Lion yeah. is lazy. He is, he and is a lazy but sentient being. So basically, Lion is like Amethyst. Just like yeah. that, just like, eh. Um, so the fight draws to a close, and we get a 
fantastic line from Greg that builds up towards the end of season one. So I don't think this really gets addressed again until after after season one, one comes Old to explosion. an end. Yeah. Um, is this a normal magical mission? Because I'm not sure I want you going on these anymore. Mm. And like the yeah. next, because this is the first time that Greg really sees what Stephen's missions are yeah, like. What yeah. up to. And the next time he sees it is. You got abducted by a giant robot hand in the sky. These things fused to each other. Something got dragged to the bottom of the ocean. You were hurt and you nearly got killed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's... This is the setup to make the payoff at the end of season one for Greg not being okay with Stephen... You know, momentarily not being okay with Stephen doing this. Gets its payoff. It's yeah. kind of bad parenting on Greg's part, though, that he has never thought, you know what, I'm going to go along on one of these missions to see exactly what it is that they are uh, putting the, my child through. The gems definitely give him the impression that he's not meant to be anywhere near the magic stuff in case he messes it up, because we mm-hmm. get it in 27, which we're about to get to, the whole idea of I mess, I, I, I did something wrong and now the magic doesn't work and that's my fault because I've messed up the magic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is something the gems instilled in him very early on, that, like, if you meddle with Stephen's upbringing, you will, you will fuck up his ability to do magic and don't do that. Yeah. Which is really sad. Um, so part three of the the episodes running on from each other, Greg gets his leg broken, which continues into the next episode. Because I was going to say that only these two need to be done together, but the house guest really needs to come back to back. Because yeah. uh, there's too many. Yeah, these three definitely need to go back mm. to back. Because Greg breaks his leg. Before moving on... Yeah. yeah, I've got a few before we move <laughs> oh, on. Oh, go here. ahead. I'm sorry that I'm, like, oh, that's a good. I'm trying to, like, direct us in a path. <laughs> I, I apologise for ruining your very impressive segue. Oh, no, it's... it's No, oh, no, I wasn't implying I was going to head on to 27 oh, okay. yet. No, I was just like, oh, when we get to 27, oh, okay. <laughs> that will connect on. Well, we need to sorry. talk about Stephen and his shield. This is the next point I have on my list, yeah. I really like that... How Stephen gets his shield is in a very defensive moment, obviously mm. fitting, in that he says, I don't want to fight. Yeah. And he repeats, I don't want to fight. And that's what makes his shield appear. Yeah. It's not that he gets a shield because he needs it to help him fight. He gets the shield because he wants to protect the people he's with and he wants well, to stop fighting. Specifically, he wants to protect Connie. And Connie, like, I know we talked about in an earlier episode about how all of us at the time were like, yeah, no, Connie, <laughs> Stephen, totally platonic. That moment where Stephen uses the shield and Connie's looking up, being protected by this magical Stephen shield, there is a look in Connie's eyes where I'm like, okay, I, I could see the groundwork here for, for a romance between the two of them. There were a lot of people on Twitter that did disagree with us. Oh yeah, there's a, a lot of people that were shocked that no one on the podcast saw it as anything but platonic, <laughs> but it's just, that's just how we saw it. We're sorry yeah. that we disagree on our readings of characters sometimes. <laughs> we love you all and we appreciate your Twitter, your opinions on Twitter, because this is a conversation and we love you. Continue <laughs> engaging with the show. Well, no, it, it makes the show better. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just our opinions. Yeah. We're not saying this is definitively what the no, show means. No, and it's, it's nice to see other people's opinions as well, because this is what we want. We just mm-hmm. want a Absolutely. nice old group yeah. Stephen Universe. And it's chat. like one thing that we've said before on, on podcasts before, Mia, is that... Uh, 
it would be terribly boring if everyone had the same opinion. Yeah, exactly. If we all agreed, it wouldn't be <laughs> If everyone's just like, yeah, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. moving on. The most interesting points are definitely when we have differing opinions yeah. on yeah. the show about things. Um, so, Stephen goes up to... Goes, uh, goes up the tower and goes to Lapis and attempts to understand Lapis's motives. He doesn't go up there to demand the water be returned. Mm. He goes up there to ask her, hey, what are you doing? What are you trying to achieve? What's on your end? It's not a demand of, we need this water, give it back. It's, you clearly took this because you need it for something. You've been trapped for a long time. Help me understand what you're trying to achieve. I think it's notable as well that... It's not like Stephen forces his way up. Lapis mm. creates a hand to take him up. Yeah. He, he has to trust her. It's the, yeah. um, I'm coming up now, so please don't kill me. Yeah, please don't yeah. drown me, is what he says. Yeah, he, he shows kind but of... But it's how confident he is, and then he just goes, so please don't drown me, as he steps it's into such, the It's thing. a very fun moment. It shows yeah. that he's being really kind of confident. He's like, yep, I'm coming up, I'm dealing with this, and it's like, uh, I hope this works. Yeah. It's, it's a very Stephen thing to do, isn't it? Mm. Do something, just hope it works. You don't know if it's gonna, but hopefully it will. Yeah. Um, so again, Stephen completely ignores the fact that this is the first time he's ever seen Garnet angry, and that he's been warned multiple times Lapis is a villain, she is bad, she's dangerous, you shouldn't have freed her, she's done all this. Stephen still fixes her gem. And mm. it's a moment where Stephen trusts his judgement over that of the gems. Mm. In spite of them usually being right. And him making his own decisions usually causing problems, he still trusts his own judgement here. Mm. It's another sign of Stephen putting trust in someone because it's like the center peel. Um, mm. It's the same sort of thing where the gems are like, this is a terrible idea. And Stephen's like, no, I trust this person means well and things yeah. will go well. Yeah, He's an incredibly trusting character. I think he just sees the best thing in every situation and mm. every person yeah, that he meets. Absolutely. So, I'm just going to give us a warning. This episode may go on a while, because we're still on the second of our five episodes. We're almost an hour in. <laughs> well, oh, okay. wow. It's, uh, we're, 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 it's going to be one of those weeks this week, I think. So, yes. hopefully I don't keep you two nerds <laughs> up too late podcasting. That's fine. Um, so, this is there's a phrase in this that I never picked up on until like rewatching. Uh, Stephen says, no prob, Bob. Which clearly is an Earth euphemism that, or an Earth um, colloquialism that mm. doesn't transfer over. But what I think is really interesting is when they do the softball game later on, yeah. uh, Lapis picks Bob. the name Bob. <laughs> and this is where Bob came from. Yes. Oh my god, I didn't realise no. that, but that makes sense. Yeah, this yeah. is why Lapis <laughs> has such a weird out-of-nowhere name in the softball game later, mm-hmm. is because Stephen said no prob Bob on their first meeting. <laughs> that's really cute. Yeah. That, I had the same thing. Like he said, I was like, ah, okay, that's cool. <laughs> I finally understand that. Um... So Connie Connie rides Lion pretty damn effectively. They have the moment, don't they? Connie and Lion yeah. look at each other and they share this moment of kind of like, right, yep, we're going to do this. I, I think that's definitely like the first building block steps towards Stevani yeah. as a combat character is mm-hmm. that we get like, hey, she's competent at riding Lion. She can she she can be useful. Yeah. 
I am now waiting for the moment that Stevoni rides into battle on Lion. Have we not had that? I, I don't we'd... think we have. I know we've had Sword and Shield. I know we've had Sword and Shield, but I was sure we'd had Stevoni on the Lion Sword and Shield in hand. I honestly don't know. Okay. If, I, if we have, I don't remember it, but I want to I feel like... I don't know when it happened, but I feel like it happened. But regardless, that feels like the natural end game mm. for... Connie can ride the lion, and Stephen can ride the lion, and Connie's good with a sword, and Stephen's good with a shield, and Stevoni can yeah. ride a lion into battle, sword and shield in hand. That would be amazing. Uh, there is a really sweet moment of Pearl and Greg bonding um, at the back at the base of the tower. Pearl uses Greg's hot dog phrase. Oh, yeah. She says something, <laughs> like, he, he's panicking and she says something along the lines of, what is it that you say about hot, uh, about hot do- pork chops being perfect mm. and hot dogs or whatever? Yeah. Like, she tries to have a moment <laughs> with Greg mm. and to console him. And... Yeah, with that, Lapis flies off into space. She, the, the, Stephen heals her. She gets her wings. She says, thank you. And she still heads off to Homeworld. She still thinks that Homeworld is where she's meant to be. Yeah, we, and we know this doesn't go well. We know it doesn't go well, but this is the first real step we get towards the end game. Hmm. Because had Lapis been left in the mirror... She never would have got her wings back. She never would have flown back to Homeworld. If she hadn't flown back to Homeworld, Homeworld would not have been made aware of the fact that the Crystal Gems were still alive and active on Earth. If they hadn't come to Earth, Peridot wouldn't have ended up on Earth. If Peridot hadn't ended up on Earth, they would never have known about the Cluster, and the Cluster would have devoured Earth. So, in the short, in the, the short to medium term... The gems were kind of right that it was a bad idea to let Lapis go, in as much as letting her go directly led to Homeworld finding out about Earth and causing a lot of very serious problems. But in the long run, Lapis saved the Earth. She saved the Earth because had she not flown off and you know gotten into contact with Mm. Homeworld, the world would have been consumed by the cluster and no one would have been any the wiser. So Stephen made the right call in the long run. Yeah, otherwise we would have just had a nice happy episode where all of a sudden the world would have exploded. Exactly. So, you know, he simultaneously made a good and bad decision in terms of long endgame stuff, but we're moving towards the endgame because Lapis has set that chain in motion. Mm-hmm. I think, like, on that point... This is the first two episodes that change the tone of the show mm-hmm. in a subtle but important way. It becomes... The stakes become a lot higher from yeah. here on out. The, and the lore and the backstory mm. becomes more significant. They're, they're the episodes that start talking about, like, hey... Oh, because other things that we get in... Which episode is it? It might be in... Which, which episode is it that starts with the uh, space race, that starts with the crying breakfast friends on the uh, the inactive warp pads? Mm. Yeah, this is this whole area where we start getting things like, there are other gems, this gem's going off to space and that's what's going to trigger the season one finale. There's all these warp pads that are broken and later in this series uh, all these things are going to come yeah. down and try and repair them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it definitely is the point where like we go from... 
silly children's adventure of the week to these are a consecutive story building up towards something quite high stakes. Yeah, I agree. Rhett needs Betty Pan. That's alright. We're going to momentarily pause the podcast and we will be right back. And we're back, everyone. Sorry about the momentary pause there. Uh, As far as I remember, we had just finished talking about episode 26 and we're going to move on to 27, unless either of you had anything left on 26. I just have a couple things. Okay, that's good. (laughs) There's some funny things, like um, Greg has clearly never met Lion before, because when... Lion comes into the room, Greg's response is, oh, ah! <laughs> does, does, does Greg not know his son has a pet lion? That's what I was thinking. And it's also like the thing of him being worried about the dangers of of the magic missions that Stephen goes on. Because mm. he's just completely oblivious to this side of Stephen's life. <coughs> Sorry, I needed to cough then and my voice went halfway through it. But it just made me laugh. He was just like, what the heck is a lion in here? Um, another thing when Greg plays Garnet's, not Garnet's, Rose's favourite music, how Garnet just drops out and rolls away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to say that it's it's quite a serious pair of episodes, there is some yeah. nice humour that is injected in yeah. there. There's also um, Amethyst, which sounds like she's quoting Scooby-Doo when she says, ruh mm. <laughs> which probably is with Amethyst because she likes watching TV. Like we've seen her watch um, Little Butler with um, yeah. Greg. Well, we haven't seen it yet, well, but... It has well, taken... We, we, we know we, that we we've seen, seen it. We yeah. have seen it. <laughs> but we, like, we know she likes watching TV. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she quotes Scooby-Doo and goes, ruh mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, One more thing. Oh, it's... Stephen seems pretty oblivious to a lot of things, but he still knows that it's not acceptable to just lick Lapis's gem. Yeah. He does lick his hand and then put it on the gem. He doesn't just go and lick her gem. Doesn't he say something about, like, this is slightly awkward? Yeah, it's like, or... this is kind of weird. And licks mm. his hand and then when she, she like, shudders. Yeah, it's like, like <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that, like, he's pretty oblivious to most things but I found it interesting that that was it's, one thing he seemed to get one thing he is aware of in terms of social cues is people's comfort about types of physical contact <laughs> yes. I'm still banging that drum <laughs> it's autistic spectrum <laughs> disorder corner uh-huh. I, I didn't see that coming so kudos for kind of getting there. <laughs> oh I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that particular narrative run a lot uh but no, he's he's aware that sometimes people aren't comfortable with physical contact of certain types. Yes. Ooh, mm-hmm. Burn. One more. Th- well, I got three more things. That's it. Okay. But okay. <laughs> the tower when Lapis flies away falls apart, but it doesn't just fall apart like water. Falls it falls. Like blocks. Yeah, it's like bricks. Like yeah. she's actually physically she built, built a tower yeah, yeah. out of the water, mm. and she's got it piece by piece I'm, rather than the entire thing. I'm glad you picked up on that because my in, uh, my only takeaway was. They look a bit like marshmallows. <laughs> that, that was my like whole. That. that was my whole mental process. That's I'm really glad cute. you gleaned something of value out of those cubes. Oh, I really like that though. I'm a little bit. Uh, I'm. I'm not always quite together. Sometimes I have cute little adorable. Uh, Unimportant thoughts. It's like, oh, look at that marshmallow! It's falling from the yeah, sky. Yeah, I just have little. I just have little like <laughs> adorable little thoughts. Yeah. Little thoughts like that. Okay, like the next thing, um, when Lars starts going on about the beach babes again, 
how Sadie just pushes him in the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's just not like, having any of that. She has a thing for him. <laughs> she's yep. annoyed of having to listen to this. And, um, oh no, there's two more things after this. I lied. Um, we will never end this episode. <laughs> I refuse. Episode six, the episode that never ends. <laughs> um, when they come back and the ocean is back, all the townspeople run to hug and thank Stephen. Not the Crystal Gems, mm, yeah. even though they Good went to point. the Crystal Gems for help. Good point. But yeah. we also know from the next episode that Pearl is not okay with physical contact. Like, she doesn't seem to be from Greg. Yeah, Greg but... hugs her and she runs and hides behind Garnet. <laughs> well, it might just be Greg because we know she doesn't yeah. like Greg. On top of that, I don't think the towner know enough about the gems to know that this particular one doesn't like physical contact. I don't think that's the reason. I think it's just that we look to the magic space ladies because they can fix the problem. But when it comes time to thank, oh, Stephen, you're totally one of them and you're a human. We know you. We understand what you are. Okay, thank you, Stephen. Bye. I think they must be too intimidated by the crystal I think gems. It is. Yeah, I yeah. think they're the kind of they're the strange magical ladies mm. that kind of live around the quiet area. No one thanks like Connie or Greg either. I don't though. think they know who Connie is. Yeah, because she's brand new to the town. But like Greg, I think they're just kind of like, oh, it's a car wash guy. He can't have done anything. Yeah. Oh, well, Greg, we see with um, Onion's dad. Yeah, they're kind of stood together. Yeah, Onion's dad is hugging him because Greg's upset that his van's like destroyed. There is a minor observation about um, Connie that someone made that I um I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm interested to look at with this window going forwards. When we get the episode where there's the snow and they have to get back to Connie's, Mm. there is an implication that Connie might actually not live inside a beach city but live a bit of a drive away. That was always my Um, implication. I hadn't really picked up on that because we talked about this a while ago, the thought that, like, the episode where Connie's introduced, she says, like, hey, you know, always moving town Mm. to town. It seems like perhaps the Maheshwarans do move away from beach city but not far and that's oh, okay. that's potentially why Greg has to do the drive to go to and from um, Connie's house. But when we initially meet Connie, Connie's just alone by herself on a beach. Suggests that perhaps mm. she did leave, uh, live in Beach City and then had to move slightly because of Mahishwan's job. I had never thought of that, but that makes no. a heck of yeah, a lot more does. sense. Yeah. In my mind, Connie had always lived outside of Beach City, but then in that in that sense... Did she travel all the way to Beach City just to sit down and read? Probably not. No. So, like, I don't know for certain, but I will be watching out for that when we get to that episode mm. with the driving in the snow. Uh, anyway, are you done on 26? One more thing okay. that I found really, really interesting. Um, we, we can see this because we've got, like, the background of the computer oh, up here. My, my laptop... Um, <laughs> Des- and my laptop background that is currently on our TV screen is Stephen and Lapis sat at the top of the water s- tower just looking out at the stars. But you can see all the stars. The centre of the star is this circle. At the very end, the thing that ends it, when Lapis is pointing before she flies off home, is a diamond. Yep. She's mm-hmm. going home to the diamond base. Yeah, that does seem yeah. very deliberate. It was very, very deliberate, and it was clearly, I'm going back to the home world. You see the thing that's a diamond up there? Mm-hmm. And I think it's very, like, at the time, you don't really think anything of it. It's just kind of like, oh, it's the big one. Yeah. But when you know more about the future of Yeah, it's it, a good observation. Kind of yeah, I just realised that on the end, and I was like, that's really interesting. There you go, that's, that's all of my things. Okay, right. <laughs> Let's do episode 27, House Guest. Uh, and this one ties in because 
this is the conclusion of the broken leg from last episode. So, mm-hmm. um, Greg's van was broke. Oh, this is another bit of continuity. Greg's van got destroyed in the fight with the water tower. His van is still destroyed, and Pearl assumes that she'll know how to fix human tech because she's smart and she knows more than humans, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little bit up herself, Pearl. Um, we get a bit of background on Greg's main worry about getting involved in Stephen's life. When the offer is initially put out on the table for Greg to stay with the gems, it's um, Greg's main worry is, won't I get in the way of Stephen's training? Yeah, I picked he, up on that as That well. must be what they've told him. That yeah. they're training him. Yeah. It's, we're training him, and if you, if you come here, you will disrupt that in some mm. way. Um... Well, Pearl very clearly does not want Greg to stay. Yeah, because yeah, she's trying to come up with a solution. She's like, then then no one has to stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Stephen's le- uh, Greg's leg is broken and Stephen, uh, you know, does the, the, the lick and the touch the hand on it. And his leg's not fixed and Stephen starts having quite an understandable crisis of... of Crisis of faith is the phrase I was going to use, but it's not quite right. A crisis of confidence. Yeah. In that he finally felt like he'd found one of his powers that he did know how to reliably use, and it worked all the time, and he was in control of it. And this is a big knock to his confidence. Mm -hmm. I think the crystal gems really damage his confidence in this, because as soon as Greg says, oh, well, it, it... it's not worked. Yeah. The gems immediately believe that his powers have failed and say, well, your powers are fickle. And therefore, like, Stephen believes that that must be right and he hasn't been able so to perform what he thinks. Yeah. Kind of. There is one one addendum I'll make to that. Garnet goes, hmm. I picked up on that as well. Like, I Gar- did not, but that makes I, sense. I think Garnet knows. Uh, yeah. Right after Garnet is... you say it doesn't work, Garnet goes, hmm. Garnet is... I get the impression Garnet is dubious... Garnet is either dubious or that she knows that he faked it. Yeah, But absolutely. equally, I think that she recognises that time between Stephen and Greg is important. That, however this resolves itself, Stephen needs to know that his dad lied. That's important. Like, mm-hmm. that's a thing that is healthy and needs to happen. I think she just stands back from it like, I'm going to keep an eye on Stephen, make sure that he's fine after this. But this is going to have to play out because yeah. his dad lied to him. I can't just let that go away. That's exactly how I, I took it to be that Garnet knows that he's faking. But Garnet's like, I know why he's faking and I can see where this is kind of going to go. And as you say, I think she's thinking this needs to play out. So I'm going to stand back and allow this to take place. Mm. Rhett has something to say, but Sorry, she's busy yawning. I was in the middle of a yawn, but I did have something to say. That's because our opinions are so boring. <laughs> it's like, no, only my opinions count. No, um... Crap, I forgot what I was saying. About Garnet, and Garnet might know, and Greg's faking it, and Stephen's powers might not be working, the gems kind of impact his confidence. It's not coming oh, I back. can't remember anymore, never mind. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'll tell you if it comes back. We'll get back to it. So, uh, then we get into a song, which we've not had one in a little while. Dear Old Dad. It's very sweet. I remember when you would sing to me and I'll sing it again. Um, So, during that song, we see some really nice, healthy bonding 
between Stephen and Greg Mm. that is not super time intensive and should not have necessitated a fake broken leg to happen. Yeah, it's normal parental child activities. None of it is damaging or harmful and it doesn't look like it's getting in the way of Stephen training. Why on earth is this not happening on a regular basis without a broken leg to Greg? I remembered my thing again. What was your thing? It's that Garnet must have at least known that it was a possibility that this would severely affect Stephen's ability, yet she let it happen anyway. Like, Or she could have seen that Stephen probably wouldn't have believed her if she'd have Mm. said, your dad is lying and his leg is better. Possibly. It's A, A, yeah, trying to tell a child that their dad has lied is difficult. And B, long term, it's probably helpful for Stephen to see this because when Stephen does find his healing power working again, he needs to know, hey, sometimes you're going to get crises of confidence and something's not going to work. If your powers, like, your powers there stopped working because it was, that, that was all in your head, your powers stopping working. Don't let those losses get to you. You need to learn that that was all in your head and that if you stay confident, you'll still be able to do it. Because, like, Stephen's pessimism is the barrier to his powers in this episode. Because when he tries to heal Greg's leg and it doesn't work, he says something along the lines of, um, like, I knew it wouldn't work. Like, why did I even try? I knew it wouldn't mm. work. Uh, I think it's when he's first trying to heal the crack in the uh, the thing, actually. Mm. Like, he he's like, I knew it wouldn't work. It's like, well, no, it would have worked if you'd believed in yourself. Yeah, his belief is gone. And you need to see that, like, hey, your dad lied to you, and because you believed you couldn't do it, you couldn't do it. If someone tells you that your powers didn't work, ignore them. Keep doing what you do. Mm. Mm. I think, like, that is an important lesson, but I think you're probably right that the big thing is it's difficult to convince a child that their dad lied to them. Yeah. One thing I didn't think about watching it, but did think while you were saying it, about Ghana willingly let... Willingly let... Willingly letting... Can't talk. Willingly letting Stephen have that confidence crisis because in the long term it will be okay. That's a very sapphire thing to do because we know that Sapphire does think in the long term things yeah. will be fine so but therefore Ruby there's no acts reason on emotions and Ruby yeah. they go no he's going to get hurt don't let that so happen so I can yeah. definitely see yeah. Garnet it's, thinking it's, it's very much like the Sapphire in the motel later yeah, on in the show thinking. where it's like it's going to be fine in the end therefore Everybody's I'm not going to do anything yeah. Yeah. so I think is he again thinking the same thing like it's kind yeah. of channeling Sapphire like Stephen's going to panic and going to be stressed out and going to be scared but Everything will work out, so yeah. I will just it's, allow that to happen. It's interesting that two episodes ago we got a very Ruby response of yeah. like <laughs> abject anger at Stephen, and here we've got the like detached. Everything's going to be fine in the long mm. game, so I'm you know I'm not going to interact with this yeah. situation. It on the is other two point, sides. Yeah, on the other <laughs> point, yes. on the other point, you're saying um, about him believing his powers won't work. It reminds me of something that. I read, which is how people work in terms of confidence, which is that if you... (laughs) You've said this to me before many times, and I agree with it. There was an interesting talk I watched a few years ago, and it's (laughs) stuck with me since, but if there's something that you can do, but your confidence is low, when you're under pressure, you will be worse at it. 
But if it's something you can do and you believe that you're good at it and you believe you can do it, pressure makes you better at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the situation where Stephen can heal because he believes he can heal. But then all of a sudden when he's like, oh, wait, but what if I can't heal? Then when he's under pressure, he, he can. actually can't yes. heal. Yes. It's because of his confidence. Like, this is an actual like, this, this thing. This is a thing, yeah. yeah. Um, it also suggests that Stephen's power, like his healing power, has to. he has to be like in a way kind of actively thinking it? Like, is his power not always a healing substance? Well, we know that the first time the first it works, time it is an entirely accident. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's subconscious, but if he's too worried about it not working, it's it's that whole... Um, okay, this is really bad. I can't think of the analogy I was going to use, but I there's an analogy I can't get out of my head now, and fuck it, it's the one I'm going to use. Um, I'm going to use an analogy about erections. Oh my god. I, I, I had this in my mind, and I was like, this, this could work in this situation, but I don't want to bring it up. I, I didn't want to bring it up, but I couldn't remember the... like. I know there's a more fitting analogy. Um, mm-hmm. The idea mm-hmm. of sometimes if you try and force something to happen... It's just not going to happen. It's Even if, if you just relaxed, it would happen by itself. But but by but, thinking about it and trying yeah, to make by, it happen, by you never make stop a, it happening. By trying to make a conscious effort, sometimes a natural reaction won't happen. Mm-hmm. I've never heard this before. <laughs> yeah, that that is a thing. Um, that 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 is a thing. So uh, there I you think go. This episode is being marked as explicit. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're deeper into the episode now, so we're allowed to be explicit. Yeah. If you've got it this far, you're probably going to wait it out. I well, hope there's no, like, like young, kind of underage people listening to this who are, like, fans of Steven Universe. Okay, well, um, go look up a medical textbook and learn about how bodies work, kids. Um, so, I I feel bad that I couldn't think of a better analogy, but it worked. It did. Mm-hmm. It did I, yeah, I understood exactly what you meant. <laughs> you knew what... <laughs> Laura was going to say before she even got there. I didn't. I was just like, huh? What's going on? That's because you are too innocent. I think it is. I am the youngest. Not by far, but I am the youngest. You've not thought about enough erections in your life. (laughs) I Uh, don't know. I just kind of assume that they're always there. I don't know. I never think any deeper than that. That's all I need. Um, So, back on topic. Um, So, the thing in this episode... There's a lot in this episode that makes me actively dislike uh, Greg. Greg does something really shitty and, like, there are negative consequences and it's... It's the... uh, uh, There's a lot of characters... Every character in the show at some point gets an episode where it's like, this person is not always as good as they seem to be and they have negative traits. And this is the... Greg did something harmful to his son um, that was detrimental to his son. The... It's less the whole faking the broken leg... There's a specific thing that annoys me more than that, and it's when he plays up the guilt. Yeah. It's when it's when Stephen's going to leave on the mission, and Greg is totally fine. He knows his leg is fine. Mm-hmm. He he could be left by himself and get up and go get the remote or whatever, and he'd be fine. And he knows that Stephen has to go do this mission, but he still plays up the oh I'll be here alone <laughs> with no help if I need anything. Alone, like, abandoned. I like. I, I could crawl if I have to. I suppose my arms aren't broken. <laughs> and like, that's the moment that annoys me most. Like, I, 
he didn't do the right thing, but I can kind of, to a certain degree, empathize with his desire to pull out a, like, overestimate an injury so that he can spend more time with his son. Yeah. It's the point where he, on top of that, tries to guilt his son over something that is not wrong. Yeah. That's the point that fucking annoys me about Greg <laughs> in this episode. Yeah. No, I just, I just amuse me because, like, it's, I won't go on and discuss it now, but, like, I have those sort of feelings about Pearl in the next episode. Oh, Pearl mm. really pisses me off in the next episode. Oh, so. trust me, Pearl. <laughs> mm. There's a few Pearl episodes, but, my gosh, next, the next one is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stephen, Stephen ends up going out to go get donuts, comes back, finds Dad gloating. Before we go ahead, one thing I want to talk okay. about. I love that when Greg is given the warp whistle... He does the Stephen thing. He has stars in his eyes and, whis- mm-hmm. and whispers, Warp Whistle. Which yeah. is, we've seen Stephen do that. It's clearly you where Stephen got it. it. Yeah, I love, I love this at <laughs> I just think it's a real cool moment because it's like, okay, that's where Stephen gets it from. It is very cute. Um, so, yeah. Oh. One more thing. Yeah, right, right. Amethyst does something that she normally ends up doing the opposite, which is she actually tries to boost Stephen's confidence. She's kind of like, don't worry, you'll get there. Yeah. And that is not something Amethyst normally does. Amethyst is normally kind of like, ha, yeah, that's a thing. I think it's because Amethyst can see here that Stephen is genuinely hurt. Yeah. He's genuinely worried. Like, it's not the playful, fun kind of... Again, it's the brother-sister thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not just being meaning in a teasing way. I can see that you are genuinely hurt. It's like when... Like, I remember it from my cousins when we'd play fight. Mm. And you'd kind of be like, hi, you fell off the bed. And then they'd start actually crying. And he was like, oh, God, are you okay? Like, (laughs) what can I do? How can I make this? Like, a line has been crossed here. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's that kind of thing. Like, Mm. she can Mm. see that it has really upset Stephen. So she's kind of like, don't worry. Like, it's, it's fine. You'll get there. Like, you can do it. In terms of... So when they go on the mission, what they're there for is the synthetic storm which is mm. inside the bubble i don't Geod. know if it's yeah and and i know bubble is the wrong word but thank you <laughs> well it's because bubble they actually have the bubbles oh, yeah, with gems confused. and i don't yeah, want people to get confused true, yeah. over what we're talking um, about my first thought was did a lapis create that because lapis is mm. control weather mm. and the environment and this is a synthetic storm it's a storm that's been created I did wonder at that. I don't know that there's enough to definitively say one way or another, but mm. considering its placement so close to the Lapis episodes, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so yeah, uh, bringing us forwards, Dad gets caught gloating, and Stephen stands up for himself in a way that I think makes a makes for a really good moral for kids here in, mm. in terms of standing up against... Just abusive scenarios in general and, and negative like, stuff. Yeah, because he, he's standing up to authority. Yeah. yeah. So initially, it's the very sort of just um, very brutal, you lied to me, now I can't heal anymore, now I mm. can't do it anymore. Um, but the exchange I thought was really interesting was, don't don't beat yourself up, Stephen, this is my fault. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's that moment that there is... A lot of people would get the response to be like, no, 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 it's fine. It's not your fault. I get why you did it. Like, Stephen's, Stephen's angry. He's allowed to be angry, and it's healthy for him to be angry. Mm. He's like, yeah, it is your fault. 
I'm not going to placate you. Yeah, even though you're the dad here. Mm. Um, as someone who has had a difficult like time in my childhood, I can totally like get that when it gets to the point where you've actually got to go. No, actually, yeah, you did fuck up. Yeah, when authority figures fail at that role. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a good message that you for kids. do kind of yeah. stand up it's in that It's a good message scenario. for kids, because I do think that kids are generally taught too much that authority needs to always be respected 100% of the well, time. Well, it's, it's the whole thing of your parents are always right. And teachers. Yeah, your teachers are always right. Anyone who's like seen as this authority figure, it's like, they are always right. You must always do as they say. And yeah, that's what they're really not. There's, yeah. There's a really nice way I saw it put once, which is um, this dichotomy of, you need to see me as uh, respect me as an authority figure for me to uh, respect you as a person, mm. Mm. and it's that sort of unequal um, opportunity, uh, uh, unequal situation where it's like respect often means two separate things, and it's yeah. used interchangeably. Of if if I'm going to respect you, you've got to respect me, but meaning like if you want a basic level of respect mm. you have to respect me as an authority as a infallible yeah. uh, authority figure yeah i agree yeah and i've read an article about it before possibly the same thing you're pulling from because probably it's the same sort of thing where there are particular institutions and people that may be corrupt in those institutions yeah. that can manipulate people in that sense it's like to respect me you have to acknowledge that i am above you and have this power over you, which is wrong. and But that's yeah. the situation that kids but are often in. Yeah. yeah, and it's really difficult to stand up in those situations mm. and to, like, a lot of those phrases of things like, you know, don't beat yourself up, this is my fault, are designed to put the... In this situation, it'd be to put Stephen on the back foot so Stephen's the one that has to be like, no, it's okay, yeah. and has to start apologising mm-hmm. the other way. Mm-hmm. And no, Stephen's... I'm really fucking proud of Stephen because yeah, knows, yeah, it is your fault. I'm not going to back down. Mm-hmm. Um, so Stephen holds on to the fact that he did in fact heal his dad. That is his point at the end of this: is I did heal dad, and I can hold on to that. And if nothing else, I know that I did heal someone, and that you know I do have this ability. Mm-hmm. I have to just say, um, <clears throat> with Greg. Like, he does seem horrified when he realises that he's actually damaged Stephen by doing this. Like, he thought he was doing something harmless, but he's actually done something yeah, really damaging. Yeah, I guess damaging. credit where credit is due. He yeah. does feel guilty. Like, you see yeah. his face kind of... But he, he only feels guilty because Stephen... There was a negative effect on Stephen's yeah. ability to use magic. Had it just been, you lied to me, and that had been the whole point, I don't think Greg would have felt as guilty. Yeah. I think it would have been... Yeah, but we got to spend time together. Don't you feel like that was a yeah. good thing? It would have been a very different yep. dynamic. It's only... I feel like it's only because Stephen had a tangible loss as a result mm. that he, A, was able to stand up and that B, Greg acknowledged his guilt rather than pushing forward to be like, no, no, I totally did something that was okay and fine. Mm. I think I think it's only because there was a tangible negative I was just thinking, there's a theme of the episodes which is not believing that everything authority figures do is always right. He goes against the crystal gems, even though they are what he's meant to be aspiring to and learning from. His dad does something and he says, no, what you did was wrong. 
Yeah. Yep. He stands up to he stands up to um Pearl in the next episode. Yeah. Yep. Stands up to both Pearl and Amethyst in the next one in order to go talk to Garnet. Mm. Yep. Um It's the whole thing of not everything that an authority figure says is automatically correct. Mm. Yes. Long live the revolution, children. Um, <laughs> Steven Universe, secret anarchist propaganda. Oh, it's, it's not secret. It's very overt um, anarchist propaganda. Disobey your parents, overthrow them. Uh, and Greg eventually steps in to fix the problem in a very Stephen way, in a very human way. He uses the duct tape to seal up the gap. Mm-hmm. Once but, again, human solution to gem problem. Yeah, exactly. And again, you can see where Stephen gets some of his traits from. Yeah. I will apply a very creative human solution onto a magic problem and hope that it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. One thing as well about the argument with Stephen, it's the first time that we ever see Stephen angry at Greg rather than trying to get his attention. Yes. Every other interaction That's with Greg, it's kind of been like, Dad, I need you. Yeah, do like, this thing. Like, let's do this together. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? Like, Instead, can we do this together? Can we do that together? Yeah. Whereas with this, he actually leaves his dad behind. Mm. He's like, no, you did something that was wrong. Mm. And I don't forgive you for that. Yeah. And he leaves. Whereas that is the first time that he has actually actively gone against Greg rather than... Because mm. before, even when... Like, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but I know there have been times when Stephen has just automatically forgiven anything that his father has ever done wrong, ever. Like, the time when his dad slept in and he, like, barely gets up to, like, help him and stuff, it's kind of like, oh, no, it's fine, because you're my dad. Yeah, he sees Greg as kind of, like, a hero and he's kind of Uh, amazing and perfect, but here he definitely is not. as, As someone who's dealt with, like, unreliable an unreliable father um i can certainly say that like those things add up but it sometimes takes the powder keg moment of like you did something actively hurtful to me too like those those are all things that stephen would have been in within his rights to criticize but it's not until that moment of no this is the thing that i can't forgive yeah that everything just kind of bubbles up sometimes Mm -hmm. yeah i've had unreliable figures in my childhood as well and it, it takes getting to a certain point where you kind of go you know what no this was messed up and i refuse to yeah, partake we can anymore. all kind of do the uh, parental issues yeah. podcast i think <laughs> oh yeah I, I i could i could i could throw some out i'm sure <laughs> uh, um so yeah that's everything i have for 27 what else have we got one one well two things um I wondered if Stephen couldn't heal it because it's a geode and not a gem. Like, well, it's not a living thing so he, much as it is. Is it ever... Oh. Because they um, do say it's a geode. Yeah, no, I'm not quibbling the point it's yeah, a geode. Yeah. I'm now just thinking about every time that Stephen heals and does he ever heal something that's not in any way living or sentient? Mm. Not that I can think of. He either heals a person or a gem. Yeah, it's always either people or gems. That's a really good point. Maybe that's why his powers didn't work there and it just happened to... Because it couldn't work. It couldn't work, but it reinforced to him with his dad not working as well. 
It reinforced to him, oh, my powers aren't working. That would be interesting. Well, if it couldn't his... work, then why did Garnet say it won't hurt to try? Because it won't hurt to try. I know, but surely she would have seen that there was no possible future in which it could work. Because trying, even after failure, is an important lesson for Stephen to learn. It's yeah, perseverance. It's oh, it learning to keep, keep trying. trying. even if you think you can't do it. Oh, it, try could anyway. be, it could simply just be that because recently his powers are manifesting. It's like, we don't know. Maybe he's yeah, got the power to yeah. do that. Yeah, so either way, I think that's a really interesting point, and it may never have been able to work. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, it was just something that occurred to me. Like, well, and I, I doubt watching... it ever returned to the gems that yeah. Yeah, that like, healing power might have limits. Yeah. yeah, because it only appears to have ever healed mm. anything that is living and sentient. Yeah, Any, anything else on this episode? Just that it's really cute that Greg moves to the bottom of the beach it, so that they can shout yeah. goodnight to each other. It is other. really cute. I don't think they keep that in continuity. No, he, they do no. not. That does not <laughs> last for long. Um, so yeah, if there's nothing else, let's move on to 28, Space Race. Um, Mia, I know you have a lot of thoughts on this one. What, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Um... So, I'm fighting the urge to just go ahead and just rant at Pearl. <laughs> Let's try and build um, their gently. Yes, so this is the first time we see the barn, which becomes more and more significant as time goes on. Yes, uh, Greg acknowledges it as his aunt and uncle's flight barn. Yeah, we which, see the kind of portrait in the back. Yes, they're in pilot's gear in the portrait. With the very big moustache. It is in canon with who ends up coming for the barn later. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so we also see the galaxy warp for the first time, which is another oh, thing. That becomes... really sneezes. <laughs> I have tiny sneezes everyone. I don't know how much they picked up. Um, sorry, what were you saying? Galaxy uh, we also, warp. Yeah, so this, we also see the galaxy warp. So another thing that becomes more significant as time goes on. I also, I didn't pick up on this the first time I ever mm. saw this episode, but it's really obvious now, is that the reason they go to the galaxy warp is because they are scared that the homeworld mm. gems will come to them because of Lapis. Yeah, it's a result yeah. of Lapis. Yeah. It's like, we better check on this. Like, I don't know how I missed that the first time I watched yeah. it, but when I watched it this I'm, time, I'm it was like, I'm oh. suddenly realising quite how many consecutive of these episodes do run into each yeah. other. Like the, It's like, oh yeah, we just need those two. Oh wait, we need the third one with uh, Greg's broken leg. Oh, we need this one for the, 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 yeah. the pads. But you're right, it's definitely Lapis left and went back to homeworld. Homeworld might mm. try and come here. Let's make sure the pads... Well, when Lapis very first leaves, um, like, I can't remember if it's Pearl or Amethyst, but one of them says, but what will happen yeah, and to Garnet. us? And Garnet says, we'll just have to wait and see. It's definitely like, there's going to be consequences Yeah, it's this. like, there will be consequences. We don't yet know what they are. Mm. So doing this, they're trying to kind of protect it. Yeah, like, yeah. they're trying to block what's potentially because I mean yeah. this does end up being the problem it's where Peridot goes I mean she, yeah. can, she goes straight to the galaxy warp yeah it also makes me wonder who broke the galaxy warps I got the impression it was the gems I think they broke yeah. it on purpose like I don't know if it was Rose in particular or if it was I feel others. like it's Rose Stephen yeah. asks about healing the, and like repairing them and they're like no mm. um, it's like can we repair them no it's like well can we probably yes <laughs> should we should know? we know um <laughs> Also, it's now that I'm thinking back about what you were saying about not being able to repair inorganic matter. This might explain why Stephen can't just lick and touch the the warp pads mm. to replace them. 
Because that would have been the easy solution to getting to space. It would. Um, it would. Um, so we also get crying breakfast friend stickers stuck on all of the things, which ends up being like, oh, Stephen, you were like it. It's what points out to Peridot that there are people interacting with the galaxy mm. warps that yeah. they're not completely abandoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, crying breakfast friend seems like a really depressing children's yeah, cartoon. It is. <laughs> it's very odd. It's just. <laughs> Breakfast items crying, really depressed. Well, Greg has a line or something about, like, I used to like cartoons. Yeah. I took it, I mean, it, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I took it to be a sign of, like, every new kind of generation of kids seems to have their own set of cartoons that enter that the above generation kind of doesn't really get. Yeah. Like, I was thinking about being a kid and, like, the type of cartoons I would watch, my parents would be like, like, you know, like Animaniacs and stuff. My oh, parents gosh. would be like, this is a very odd cartoon. Uh, <laughs> side note about Animaniacs, are you aware that there is a joke in that show about, uh, about fingering the musician prince? No, I'm not too surprised, considering um, what it did get away at, with. But. At some point, um, uh, Dot, the female yeah. one, uh, she has prints in her arms, and one oh, of them yes, says, I remember that. Oh, oh, fingerprints. And she's like, no. <laughs> at which point, it's like, no, no, dust for fingerprints. Yeah. Like, th- that was a weird show to show children. It was. The one that comes to my mind is Ren and Stimpy as a thing yeah, that, that children watched. Well, Ren and Stimpy, like itself is a bizarre program because like the history behind that show is that they started making it and then Nickelodeon found out kind of too late what had been created and was kind of like we can't show this so kind of like got if I remember right they kind of got the episodes that were bearable and kind of put it on later in the day they edited some of them down yeah like, I think you can get hold of like the, the original uncovered oh yes you right? can because they are interesting <laughs> Yeah, like, I used to watch that, but I don't remember. Oh, I watched it as a kid and found it very like I was aware that this was not quite aimed at me. Like this seems yeah. too mature. I remember just thinking it was strange and it had a strange sense of humor, but was, I didn't get it. It was basically so made much. for adults. Like, yeah. He made a cartoon aimed at adults, and Nickelodeon were like, "Well, we paid for this thing. We have to use it somehow." Yeah, the, the the other one that I found really unsettling as like growing up was Courage the Cowardly Dog. Okay, Mia and Retta just pointed very quickly at each other. I keep saying that that show always freaked me the it's hell really, out as a like, kid. It's really low-key unsettling. Yeah, like, I used to watch it in, with, in my mum's room when she was at work, and it used to really creep me out, and I'd sit there just like... I, sh- I should turn this over. This is starting to scare See, me now. <laughs> but it's hard to look away yeah. from. I, I loved it, but... You I was, were three years older yeah, that's than the thing. I was a bit older. I was about like 12 when it came on TV. And I was like, this is kind of weird and dark, but I kind of like it. But you'd have been like, what, 10? Nine. Nine. When You're three on. years older than me. I'd have yeah. been about nine. So I think if I'd have watched it at nine, I probably would have had the same reaction. I'm a couple of years younger than you, so I'd have been probably 10. Yeah. Because yeah. you're slightly was, older than me, but not yeah, a lot it was, older than me. I was, I was probably 10, and that unsettled me, weirdly. <laughs> and I couldn't put my finger on why. That I was the same. 
It was like fascinating to watch, but unsettling. I can't much remember. like crying breakfast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that might kind of be the sort of thing it's referring to. Oh, there's these cartoons that seem like they're made for kids because they're cartoons, but they're actually more adult. Well, mm-hmm. it would make sense. A that crying breakfast friends, a show about depre- clearly depressed characters, would be aimed more at adults. And it would suggest that perhaps Stephen's watching things that aren't necessarily age appropriate because he doesn't have Greg in his mm. life being a good influence on him and <laughs> yeah. determining what's a human child appropriate. So that's a theory about Growing Breakfast Friends. Perhaps it's an, an unsettling adult's cartoon about depression. I was trying to remember the words to something that used to really friggin' freak me out about Carrie's the Cowardly Dog. Go on. There's one about a mummy and mm. it constantly... F- Follows him around going, return the tab, return the tab. And it used to really creep me out. And I remember having a nightmare about it once. And I was just like, God, that was horrible. Why did I dream that? Um, so, um, we, we go to the barn where uh, Stephen creates universe and universes, universal <laughs> space travel HQ. I love how it has its own logo. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. Um, and the first thing they make is um, Greg makes a silly fake spaceship of like a little cart with some wheels on it and some fake cardboard wings and like a sparkler on the back Mm -hmm. and Stephen takes it very seriously yeah Greg is clearly like this is a joke we're going to pretend we're going to space Stephen seems to be like we are going to space yes this is going to work yeah it's going to work my dad made it dad knows about tech stuff people who've been to space were people yeah, I, I feel like there is a certain amount of... It reinforces this whole idea of Stephen is a little um, younger in terms of socialisation than other children his age, mm-hmm. in that being... I think he's meant to be, at this point, what, like 14? Yeah. 13 or like, 14. Like the he's, birthday episode, isn't it? When... He's in his teens, at yeah. least. Um, I think he's 13 now. Yeah. 13 sounds he, right. he takes very seriously this... Clearly fake spaceship with a sparkler in the back. He's like, oh, here you go, space, because my dad made your spaceship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, interesting observation about Pearl. When she gets excited, she finds it really hard to f- focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. She flits very point to point, sometimes getting distracted by like small obsessive things to tweak and clean. Sometimes point to point, she'll have conversations with herself. She gets... Manic? Manic is a word for it. It's not the word I'm looking for, and I'm sure there's a better word, but for lack of a better term, manic is probably the best word we're going to think of. Yeah. For how she gets when she gets overexcited. I'm admittedly not up on... I'm trying to think of the right way to word this. Like, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but, like, I have friends who are bipolar... And I was wondering if that's what they were getting at with Pearl's behaviour here. I There are shades of a couple of different things here. Like, there is are shades of manic behaviour. There are shades of obsessive and compulsive behaviours. Yeah. There are shades of autistic spectrum um, obsessive behaviours. There are shades of a couple of different things that present when Pearl gets overexcited about a subject she knows a lot about. Mm. I want to cut in and just say, I apologise if I slip up with language at any point and mm. say anything offensive or herbalist. Mm. Like, 
um, I like people. I have people close to me who have had OCD and a bipolar, and mm. um, I'm. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I am learning. Yeah. And like, if I screw up, like, feel free to call me out on it. I'm, right. I'm not I'm... like trying to. I, say that I understand this yeah. stuff more than I do. I, I suspect you'll be alright in that I suffer with a couple of those things and a couple of them run in my family, so I have some awareness of mm. stuff. But again, like, we'll try and do our best on, on terminology, but there are definitely... I think the point <clears throat> definitely stands that there are shades of her response that line up with certain non-neurotypical conditions... Mm in interesting ways when she gets excited. She seems to have a few kind of like OCD sort of things as well, like throughout like all of these episodes. Yeah, this... Is it this one uh, where she says she's the symmetry? It was when he's on about school because it's the piles of school stuff. she says like, no, it has to be symmetrical. Yeah, and when Amethyst puts a teddy on it and she stabs Hmm. it. Some of the things that she does are very much stereotypes that are often used to portray or to signal obsessive compulsive disorder um they're definitely very much that they are obsessed uh, they are um they are stereotypes in that if this was meant to be a straight up obsessive compulsive disorder representation it would be notable that it skips over a lot of things that are either more mundane or more detrimental or more more everyday things other than the poster child symptoms of like everything yeah. is neat and symmetrical mm. and like the, clean and tidy. Yeah, which is the TV version. You know, it's yeah. the TV yeah. version. Yeah. It's, it's using some of the TV signals for OCD rather than necessarily portraying an accurate version of OCD, yeah. but it's definitely a, a thing. It's, it's, yeah, like it's why I'm kind of hesitant to really push this as a theory but well, I think it's something that it, they may be trying to imply it, even if it's a bit of a heavy handed and messy it's way why it. rather than saying OCD myself I I mentioned when I was talking about things I said that she has obsessive and compulsive traits because yes, not talking about it as a specific disorder obsession and compulsion are definitely two things you could say apply to Pearl yeah. mm. even yeah. if she doesn't specifically fit the diagnostic criteria or a a balanced representation of someone with OCD yeah. um, those obsessive and compulsive traits could could be something like OCD but they could also follow, follow um, they could also fall under the umbrella of autistic spectrum conditions they could fall under the umbrella of something like um, like bipolar disorder. Mm. There's a few umbrellas that encompass types of obsessive compulsive behaviour. Yeah. This has been Obsessive Compulsive Corner. <laughs> also, a reminder to everyone, don't say you're a bit OCD about oh, something. Yeah. You might be a bit obsessive or a bit compulsive. You might be not just a bit, you might be obsessive or compulsive. OCD is not a catch-all term to use mm-hmm. no. to talk about obsessions and compulsions. No, because... It's a very specific diagnosable thing that has set criteria and means a set thing. Like, having people... I'm being vague because obviously I want to protect anonymity, but, like, having people close to me who have been diagnosed with OCD, like, it is an incredibly 
powerful and life-altering condition and the, the, the fact that I still see people today be like oh I'm so OCD I like to put things in order it's like that's yeah. not it so I think I think we've kind of circled <laughs> this point enough to be like hey non-neurotypical corner woo yeah be respectful to people yeah. so um uh, Greg and Pearl disagree on Stephen leaving Earth mm. There is a very much like Stephen's not leaving Earth, and this is Greg making a point about parenting his human son that is his biological child. And Pearl being like, of course he is, of course he is. And Greg being like, no, no, he's not. They have a parenting argument about, like, this is my son, he's with you, but I get the final say... You know. It's almost kind of like a custody battle over mm-hmm. Stephen, yeah, where yeah. Greg's basically saying, like, yeah, I have the final say, I'm his dad, and Pearl being like, I, I don't really respect that, like, yeah. I'm the one who's in charge of Stephen, so this is what I've decided. Yeah, um, so, yes, Rita. One thing I want to say, um, it's really clear that Pearl misses being able to go to other gem worlds, Yeah, which... I thought might suggest that she's kind of still doing what she's doing in obligation to Rose and not because she necessarily wants to I do that. I absolutely think so. This is the first episode, I think, that we really see that Pearl is unhappy on Earth. Well, Pearl doesn't really want to I don't be think here. that it's that she's unhappy on Earth. It's that she's unhappy of the idea of being on Earth for the rest of her existence. Well, what's that line in the extended theme tune when we eventually get it? I will fight in the name of Rose Quartz and everything that she believed in. Yeah. Not I'm it's not I'm gonna fight for the place that I'm free to be together and exist as me. It's not like, oh, this is a place I actively like Earth. It's like yeah. oh, do what Rose It's like wanted. it's an obligation, Fine. not like a job, not an active desire. Yeah. Also a little bit of hoping that Stephen one day dies and Rose just happens to magically come back, I think is probably <laughs> yeah. a bit of a factor. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it it actively annoyed me on this episode that Pearl has no respect for Greg as Stephen's father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that like, really bugged me. After Greg makes it clear that no, he's not going to space. This is not happening. Pearl smuggles him into the ship at night and basically tries to kidnap him and take him to space because she believes in her mind that's the right thing for him. Yeah, she kind of, like, the thing that really, really, like, got under my skin with it is that she kind of grooms him and brings him into the ship under false pretenses. Let's yeah, do a absolutely. quick engine check. And then she goes, no, we're just going to go hop to the next star system. We'll be back in 50 years. Yeah, she seemingly intentionally misleads Stephen. That, oh, it's just, we'll just jump in for a bit of fun. And then it's yeah. like, okay, we're back in 50 years. I think a bit of it is... Stephen, she's still to a certain degree is like Stephen is Rose mm-hmm. and okay. I'm going to take you Rose and I'm going to take you back to space yeah. and everything's going to be fine and mm-hmm. forget that half your life's going to be gone because you're Rose, it's fine we'll just yeah. get the right, we'll get the doesn't matter if you die in space, we'll get the gem back to space and then we'll get Rose back and it'll be fine. It does honestly it does seem well, like that. She didn't exactly seem to have a store of food with her, did she? In yeah. order to she did not have 50 watery. years of food. No. no. There's nothing practical um, about her plan whatsoever. Nope. She's just laser focused on the idea that like, we're going to go mm-hmm. to space now, off we go. Yeah. One thing I wondered with the spaceship like when she's when stuff is getting tested, why the hell is it Stephen doing it and not Pearl who can reform if she's hurt? 
because she wants to see Stephen desiring to go to space too. Because she can then, if Stephen's this excitably like using the the test things, she can use that internally as her justification of, see, Stephen was excited about Mm. going to space, therefore I don't have to feel bad about taking him to space. You would think that Greg would have been like, hang on. I don't want my son flying around with a rocket engine with a gem training. It's gem training. Don't question it. Last time you quit, last time you messed with gem training, Stephen <laughs> lost his ability to heal. So don't question the gem training. <laughs> this is it's important yeah. training that I put him in a rocket propelled paraglider. <laughs> um, so when they're in the ship, there is the line that's just heartbreaking. Pearl, I know you miss space, and I know you worked hard for this. But sometimes you've just got to bail. Mm. And and then he promises that he'll get her to space one day. And it's, and, it's one thing that oh. they actually touch on quite a lot in Steven Universe, which is that it is okay to fail at something. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice message. I mean, that's the message behind the whole, like, it's okay to bail. It's like, yeah. it's, it's okay, okay to, to stop. Yeah. It's okay to give up. It's okay yeah. to give up when you have tried yeah. your best, but it hasn't worked mm. out. Mm. And I really like that. I think so it's as really as nice. a nice like kind of counterpoint to that outside of Steven Universe. Uh, people should go look up at uh, go look up Loser by Garfunkel and Oates. Oh, Makes a nice counterpoint really to like uh, failure being okay. Yeah, that's, um, that that song made me cry the first time. I oh, it makes me cry still. <laughs> um, so yeah, Stephen promises that he'll get Pearl to space and. Kind of accurate because Stephen let Lapis go that brings the giant space hand there and the giant space hand does take them to space. So I guess Stephen fulfilled his promise eventually and yeah, got her to space. in the space. long term, sort of. Kind of. Um, yeah, it's it's of note that Pearl did almost get Stephen killed here. Yeah, like, the scene, there is the moment when the ship explodes, when Greg sees... To believe that Stephen is dead and has just been incinerated in a fire explosion. And if Stephen not, didn't pull the lever, he would have died. I'm not sure I want you going on these missions anymore, Stephen. <laughs> uh, yep, and the next episode, he blows up. <laughs> Yay! I also like that at the end, though, Pearl does say, I'm sorry I nearly got us killed. I nearly got mm. you killed, I think she says. And she does have the moment at the end when she does kind of realise what she's been doing and kind yeah. of comes out of that kind of um, mindset. It's also Stephen and his innocence, so his response is, I'm used to it. Yeah. yeah. In other words, we're always in these really dangerous situations. That's just what life is, because that's what he has grown to be accustomed to. Before we move on, one mm. line that I really liked when they're in the ship is Pearl says, I'm going to show it to you. And that, to me, really reinforces that in her mind, she's like, I'm doing this for him. Which, of course... Do it for her. It's, it's <laughs> what we see in the song later on. It's yeah. like, I'm doing it for him, and that means I'm doing it for her. I'm doing it for Rose. Yeah. So, like, in doing this, I think she's like, I'm doing this for Stephen, I'll, I'll do meaning it for, I'm I'll, doing it for Rose. I'll do it for her. That is to say, I'll do it for him. Yeah. Um... Also, I love his caterpillar um, sleeping bag. I was going to say that. he's as snug as a bug in a rug. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I never thought of that, but that's really cute. Admittedly, that did not occur to me. Um, I like that. So yeah, that's, that's everything I have for this episode. What do you both have before? I think that's everything. We have covered everything I had, I think. Yep, okay. And last one for today... Episode 29, Secret Team. Secret Team. Secret Team. Is that what we are? 
Secret. Secret. Um, so, before we start seriously discussing this episode, I have some maths I would like to very quickly do. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> Stephen had four incomplete pizza gift cards, each of which was two-thirds of the way to a new pizza. Mm-hmm. Six slices per thing. He needed, uh, you know, if you add this together, that's eight stamps on his pizza cards, which is enough for almost three pizzas. Now, my question here is, A, why was Stephen not putting all of these stickers on one card? Why was he not completing and then using cards and redeeming his pizzas? Second of all, don't rip up cards that have monetary values. You've ripped up three pizzas there. Well, I have to say on that, though, when Amethyst and Pearl first rip theirs up, Stephen looks horrified. He looks it, really upset. It does well, make sense for them to rip them up because yeah. they don't eat and don't see the value in food. What I found out about that is that, as you're saying, they tear up the um, cards and then drop them, but then at the end of the episode, pull them out of the pocket. Yeah, it's like, so, so like, did, did you go and pick them back up? Pick or? them back up and kind of hold on to them? But, yeah, that's my main question is, Stephen, why are you two-thirds filling your pizza cards and then moving yeah, on? Maybe he forgets. <laughs> Well, are, you, are you going like one slice on each of the four? Oh, I like this head cannon actually. Uh, he's got four separate pizza cards because it's him and the three gems. And every time he has a pizza, he puts um, he goes one card to the next. So one sticker on one card, on the second card, on the third card, on the fourth card. Second sticker, first, second, third, fourth card. Okay, I can see that. But, yeah. but he's so far six slices in for each of their four cards because he wants to take all four of them for pizza because it's a very Stephen thing like together breakfast that does gel with together breakfast okay that's that's a justifiable explanation for a thing that annoyed me enough that I wanted to jump ahead and talk about (laughs) that is like 24 like yeah slices I I can believe that with Stephen's greed he would he would get 24 pizzas in out of a required 36 no 28? Uh, I can't do... I, I, I can't do numbers. I can't do 8 times 4. 32. Well, there was 4 missing from... Yeah, 32. So it'd be like, yeah. yeah, there was 8 missing. Yeah, he would be 24 out of 32 yep. towards getting the whole gang a pizza party. This is where we do the math beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> Don't That's just try and do it on the show. I 4 times 2 thirds pizza. <laughs> um, sort of makes sense. I kind of made some notes. Uh, so anyway, uh, Paul... Pearl has stolen a rose bubble full of um, gem shards. Mm -hmm. Why do we think she took the the bubble? Well... I have a feeling that she might be attached to one of the shards. It's implied that it's it's specifically one that rose bubbled. I, I, yes. I have a theory, and I want to ask you a question. Sure. Um, Was Pearl hoping that Rose's bubbles might heal the shards inside. Because she talks about, I was wanting to see how the shards would react to Rose's bubble. My question is, is she trying to work out, do Rose's bubbles have healing properties? That would make sense. Because if so, does that tell us that a corrupted gem could be bubbled by Stephen and eventually unbubbled, uncorrupted? Okay. That's I, yeah. that's the read I made on it. I think that makes sense. Like, there's also the whole like she did just find out she can't go and take uh, Rose's gem back to space, yeah, so and she might be feeling well. a little bit. That that was my read Maybe. of it, but I do like I, your, I, your way of looking at it. 
Oh, you okay? Oh, I dropped my phone again. I really <laughs> should have put it in the other room. <laughs> Continue, Ratter. Um, I was thinking, though, if that was the case, then wouldn't she have gotten one that had an entire gem inside rather than a shard? Unless it's because shards are smaller, they would probably have reactions faster. There's more of them per single bubble, which means that you can have multiple variables with a control group of this bubble. That's something else that I have a note on. Um, Why do they bubble all of the, what they call, chunks together? Like, Uh, why don't they put them in separate bubbles? It's like they're saying that they are lesser because they're not a whole gem. Oh, they totally think that because, as I've written down in here somewhere... um, like this is the episode where Pearl talks of, uh, about them as being mindless, yeah. which we know to be kind of inaccurate from the cluster much later on. But it doesn't necessarily shock that it might be. Let's just dump a bunch of them together because eh, it's just cluster chunks, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of gross to be honest. Like these are yeah. kind of disembodied bits of gem. Yeah, but that's also why I think it's really. Like, inconsiderate of the gems to bubble them all together. Because it's like mm. saying, well, we don't care about how you guys feel because yeah. you are lesser beings. You are not a whole they, being. They totally so see them as lesser, which makes... It, I understand why they do, because it's... They don't seem to be capable of sentient thought, at least as far as they're aware, mm. and it's easy to consider them just... Okay, they're dangerous, but they're also just like, yeah, we'll throw a bunch of them together. Unless this is to do with how they came across the shards. Because we eventually see the shards kind of fused into the horrible, like, can mm. monster thing. So unless this was Rose defeated a fusion set of shards and then just bubbled them all in one go. Mm. Mm. That's entirely possible. One thing as well, it could actually be that the shards have healed. Because if you think, the gems that are corrupt generally turn into monsters... They were very, like, humanoid shapes that came out, like hands and feet. Mm. And they looked more human than... They looked like pieces of shattered gem rather than corrupted gem. Yeah. Um, Mm. So, complete side note. um, Stephen, the secret team needs membership cards so that we can show them to other people. (laughs) Stephen, that's not what you do with secret Mm -hmm. secret team cards of secretness. You don't show your secrets to yeah. other people. It's because he thinks it's really cool and he wants to show yeah. it off. Everything about this is Steven seeing it as kind of a game. He's kind of role-playing here. He's like, it's, it's all kind of an excuse for him to kind of play this game. Like, oh, we're a secret team. And then like, he tells people about the team. Why are all the best things in this life the things you can't tell anyone about? <laughs> Give me the bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, um... So I like when Garnet uh, eventually... So the the bubble is popped and uh, they all run around as secret team to unbubble it. Stephen tries to contrive some ways to get the secret team back together. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen. Stephen goes, okay, I should probably go tell Garnet that the, the bubble was unpopped and go talk to uh, Pearl, you know, that Pearl and Amethyst did it. Not because it's going to get the secret team back t- together or not because it's the morally right thing to do, just... Just because Stephen's a bit pissed off that Stephen uh, that Secret Team stopped. Well, he wants to keep the game going. He yeah. wants to then have the uh, like the, the, the next new part. super secret team. Yeah, like the next part of the game. Where it's like, well, now we're a team. 
Um, One thing that I wanted to mention is that as soon as the bubble is popped, all of the shards reform. And mm. so is there a level of consciousness or do they just automatically form th- whenever they are not bubbled? I think bubbled? they just automatically I think automatically. Form. I thought that, but then they are just holding them in their hands when they're going, have we got them all? And looking at them together, they haven't automatically just formed. Unless it, it was just something like um, they have to be kind of handled gently, otherwise they'll just kind of unpoof. Yeah, that would make mm. some sense. Um, so when they're ma- having the meeting with Garnet and Stephen about super secret team, um, there is the adorable, hilarious moment of Garnet referring to uh, Pizza Daughter. <laughs> I, I... One more thing that I just thought. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I hadn't just thought it. I did write it down, but I had forgotten. Um, secret team feels like it is Stephen's version of a fusion because he can't do that yet because it's kind of like oh but we are all working together as this secret team and we are all together but we can't mm. tell anyone else about it and it feels like this we're doing a very private, wrong, but it's not. a very private thing where we all come together and become more than the sum of our parts exactly that, yeah. and also um pearl covered his eyes when fusion dancing was happened before yep. so fusion is kind of it's it's a mm. secret thing but it happens between gems, so yeah. we secret three gems team. should be a secret team and work together. Because if you think, at this point That's, in time, yeah. Fusion is a secret to Steven. He doesn't know how it happens, he just knows that it does happen. And something that is new, but is still both of their combined parts, is created. That's a really, really nice observation. <laughs> if this took place immediately after Giant Woman... I definitely think that would have been a nice theme. I think that could have worked. Mm. It just feels that way because he's so like mm. desperate yeah. to be like, but we're a secret well, we, team. We know he loves the idea of fusion. Yeah. But it's also with the theme of him really wanting Amethyst and um, Pearl to get along. Yeah, that's true. Which like also is on Giant Woman. Yep. And it's the same sort of thing. It's them three as a group. Yeah. So I think that's his way of being, like... I don't think it's even consciously done on Mm. Stephen's part, but I think that is his way of kind of going, well, we're working together as this secret team and we are now a fusion Mm. that is not fused, basically. I could see that. It's it's an interesting um, way to think about it. Yeah, I just thought it was a really Mm. cool way to think of it. Yeah. Um, so when Garnet and Stephen go to confront uh, Amethyst and Pearl about everything, Amethyst and Pearl are super, super ready to let Stephen take the fall. They know that he's not responsible and they are very ready to let him take the fall. I believe that's why Garnet has to, like, she tricks them on purpose because she knows that is the only way that they will be honest about it. Yeah. Because yeah. even Stephen doesn't seem to be aware of what the full like, extent of this plan yeah. is. I do like this really kind of subtle thing they do here. Stephen is a terrible actor. So they he's... don't tell him too much of the plan. Well, like, the way he says things, like, he clearly is forcing his yeah. fake surprise. Like, oh no, not punishment. <laughs> like, he's, it's, it's just it's yeah. a good bit of voice acting. Yeah. And yeah. It's obviously like... He's well, delivering the lines in the sense where it's like, pretend that you know what's, you don't know what's going on, but you actually kind of do, and you need to deliver that in the performance. Yeah. And I think it comes yeah. across really it's well. It's a good 
bit of deliberately bad. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, uh, it's, You've it's got deliberately to act bad. like you are bad at acting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely like Stephen's not great at, at acting, so he's he's obviously not told the bit of the plan mm. where Garnet's going to get, you know, grabbed by giant hands. Garnet's shape-shifting powers are overpowered. Yeah. <laughs> she is a much more formidable shapeshifter than anyone else in this team, and why does she not use this ability more often? Yeah, it's... yeah this is like the first time we've seen it as well, as far as I'm aware. I think aware. it's the only time yeah. we see Garnet do this. It was the moment for me where I kind of thought, okay, Garnet is the powerhouse of the team then. Yeah. Like, she's not just like the authority in the Crystal Gems. She seems to physically be the most powerful member of the team as well. Secret team. <laughs> the authority of the team members seems to fall to who is the strongest. That's how they seem to rank it. Oh, that makes sense. Because Jasper was, is kind of the most powerful of her kind of little but band. they're kind of like bodyguards in that way. Like, so mm. amethysts that are the regular size are also meant to be bodyguards. They're meant to be stupid, but they are meant to be bodyguards. <laughs> mm. So they're higher than, say, pearls, which are only meant to be admin. Mm. And they're not actually meant to do anything extensive like fight admin is a good way of looking at pearls I never thought of yeah. them in that sense but that's yeah yeah pearls just, are kind of like secretaries. Personal, personal yeah. assistants yeah. yeah that's yeah that's a good way of looking at that's it. kind of how pearls are but I think that's why they're seen as so low because I think the value of gems seems to be on how like tough they are how well can mm. they fight and hold up in a fight mm. and I think that's why Rose was always the top because she was the one who was born to, to be a warrior yeah. and then Garnet is a fusion, as we later find out. Mm. So she's also a formidable, formidable warrior. Huge, it's yeah. why Stephen, for so long, is at the bottom of the, the rung. Uh, I'm just knocking things all over the place tonight. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, it's why, for so long, Stephen's at the bottom of the rung. Is his abilities are non-combat centric. Mm. He is a defensive person. And that does not pose a power in combat. Yep. Also ties into when Amethyst becomes... That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah, because Amethyst becomes jealous of Stephen and kind of feels that her position in the team is threatened when Stephen becomes physically powerful and a useful member of the team. Yeah, when he yeah. suddenly starts to become more powerful than her because suddenly she's then at the bottom of the rung yeah. again which she won't have been. As soon as Stephen came along, he was then at the yeah, bottom. Yeah, because Stephen was always the one that's like, mm. as bad as Amethyst can be, as messy, as clumsy, and yeah. as reckless, there's always Stephen who's worse. Like, if something happened to Garnet, I think it would be Pearl that takes over, not Amethyst. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, I definitely see it as being, like, a rung of power based on... Power. Like, yeah. yeah, based on power. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So that's everything I had on that episode. The last thing I had was just a call back to something Retta said before. When you were talking about the rooms of the Crystal Gems and it relating to your kind of body parts, getting a better look at the bubble room here definitely looks like they have veins yep. which tie into the heart which is nearby. Well, they actually call it the heart as yeah. well. And uh, I think, I don't know if this is the first time, might be the second time, that we see that the rooms are actually very close together. Mm. Like, we can see that, like, from Amethyst's room, you can get to the bubble room and you can get to Pearl's room relatively easily. Yeah, yeah Pearl's room drips down 
Amethyst has a puddle that goes straight into Yeah, so garments. although when they go through the door, the door kind of specially takes them to their area, they're actually fairly nearby. I just had a very cute thought. Mm. Garnet's room is the heart. She's a fusion of two gems that are in love. Oh, How oh, cute oh, is that? Yeah, I never thought of that. That's good. <laughs> oh. Have you got anything else on the list, Ratter? Um, I really liked that Garnet says there are no sides because we are all in the same team. Yeah, it's a nice message. Like Garnet seems to be a. Um, she's very clear at the end of the episode that like secret team is a bad idea because we shouldn't mm. have divisions between us we're all on the same team we're all crystal gems i also like that she doesn't punish steven for coming forward and saying we did this thing and hid it from you mm. because she's like no you were honest like mm. before it got out of hand and that is the important thing but i think as well it's nice that although pearl and amethyst were really scared of garnet finding out garnet doesn't kind of scold them for screwing up. It's, she just wants them to be honest and kind of admit, yes, we screwed up. It's it's not them screwing up that kind of Garnet focuses on. It's them creating the whole secret team thing. That's yeah, because it's kind of like, yeah, but you are creating... Divisions. A, a division in our team so that not everyone is trusting everyone. Mm. And it's the whole thing of a fusion that we find out in Here Comes a Thought. If you are not all on the same wavelength, you can't work mm. together properly. And that's what causes Garnet to eventually unfuse, is when she becomes really conflicted and annoyed yep. over Pearl, keeping a secret from the team. Yep. Yeah. And with that, we're going to wrap up. This has been a long episode this Yay. week. We've gone a bit over two hours. Um, wow. Now, what I'm going to suggest is we put this all up as one episode, but yeah. l- everyone... Let us know in the comments whether you liked it being this long, mm. whether in future you'd like us to reduce the number of episodes so that we can have a shorter one in a week like this. We'll, you know, we'll work it out. We'll decide what to do going forwards. But just let us know your thoughts yeah, on the, the it's length. It's something yeah. we kind of discussed. I am very curious to hear what people think. Would they yeah. prefer, like, one-hour episodes that might Yeah, because have... obviously two hours is a long time well, to I, sit I'd like to know, would people prefer we consistently talk about four to five episodes... Or would they prefer we have consistent one-hour episodes and we talk about whatever makes sense that week? Yeah, we'll we'll work it out. But just let us know your thoughts in the comments. So, reminder for self-promotion, I'm Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, that's what pays the bills. Rata, where are you on the internet? I am super retar everywhere. Lots of A's in there. <laughs> super retar. <laughs> Mia, where are you on the internet? I'm mainly on Twitter, where I am Oh Mia God. It's like, oh my God, but with Mia instead of my. I also have a website, which is miaviolet.com, and I also have a Patreon, which funds that website, which is patreon.com forward slash miaviolet. Woo, and thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Crystal Clubcast. Thank you all for being awesome. Bye. (laughs) 